Hello everyone, and welcome to this Nintendo Life episode 139. My name is NBZ. I'm the host of this podcast, apparently. Um, it's a show where we talk about video games and Nintendo and all the things we love about them. And uh, I'm joined by Bally. I don't have any witty thing to say at the start, Bally. This is just a regular intro, I don't know. We're just gonna We're just going to roll with it. My, um, my arms are hurting from video games. Yeah, well, like there you the, go. That's like an exciting the, thing. the good old days of going for it in Wii Sports Tennis. Yeah, where exactly. You wake up the next day like, ow, my shoulder is sore. God, I remember us waking up so many times like after sleepovers and be like, all right, let's go and play some tennis and just having a good time. That was After doing the um, Everybody Votes channel, because that was the best bit about exactly. waking up to a new day. It's literally my favorite. It's one of my overriding memories of the Wii generation is coming down um, from a sleepover at your house and down to the kitchen and the blue light on the, the Wii is just light. glowing. And we're like, oh shit, what's happened? And we go inside it and it's like, there's a new channel. It's called the everybody votes channel and you can vote on these questions and we just it was insane it was we loved it it was the greatest thing that ever happened i'd want to get out my wii and set up some sort of system where every notification on my phone just causes the blue light to glow because it's that like it's that dopamine hit of like blue light is glowing there must be something (laughs) something awaits let's see it there was something so like sci-fi and futury about the wii it's like it was a very slick design it just had a coolness about it um that that blue light was just epitomized it was perfect but um i should say my arms are aching from beat saber yes why why i'm in pain absolutely Um, not, not i've not gotten that wii sports again no um, but you are basically at the end point of what Wii Sports began with motion controls. Is like VR mm. is kind of where it's come towards. Uh, God, Nintendo is doing VR now apparently with Labo and everything, which is an interesting thing. That... Look up the bum of a bird. Uh huh. Yeah, apparently so. Um, I don't know. I mean, it's something that I think I've tried cardboard VR before, which is what what's that this... like? It's fine. It's mainly like basically you know VR on your phone and. I have a Google Pixel, so it's kind of powerful enough to run VR. So I've tried it out, and it's kind of neat, but it is very low res, and it is kind of motion sick inducing to some degree. So it's it's not the best so thing, the, but the, it's, the only downside is the low res. What's the field of view? I mean, it, it works pretty well. Like, it's one of those things you show family members, and they're like, oh, ac- wow, this is pretty amazing what you can do here. Um, but it's not, it's nowhere close to like what actual VR is like. But. You know, it's it's a neat trick, um, and I wonder what Nintendo will do with Labo VR. It seems like another part of their... It, it wasn't really a big celebration or anything. It was like, oh yeah, by the way, here's a tweet, we're doing Labo VR. We don't have any footage of it, what it looks like or anything. I think it comes with a pack with a bunch of other stuff as well. Um, so... I don't know how much they're pushing it. It seems like a bit more of a kind of dipping their toe in the water than anything else, and it's not like Nintendo doing full-on VR, so I wouldn't expect people to go crazy about it, but interesting nonetheless um but but yeah not really much to talk about with that and we're not going to do a new segment for it because we're talking about lots of other things today on this video game podcast about nintendo and nintendo video games so bali do you want to tell the fine folks at home what today's show is going to entail uh two segments show this time around first segment we've got lots of games to talk about that we have been playing and for the second segment we're going to talk about our sixth backlog club which is luigi's mansion um the original was on the gamecube we were playing the re remake on the uh 3ds yes last year it did indeed we've got a lot lot of things to say about that game 
Yeah. Uh, one of those games that you owned back at the GameCube launch, um, but I think you get, you traded it in, didn't you? I traded it in for yeah. some stupid amount of small, small amount of money, mm-hmm. um, and that never trade in games, people. That's what I've learned. Like yeah. they are not worth. The small amount of satisfaction you have from just looking at it on your shelf, even if you never touch it, is worth the the few tuppence that you get in return from a trade-in store. Yeah, I don't know. It, it's weird because some people, like, that's how they fund new game purchases is with old ones, so I understand it. But also, I have never been someone who trades things in i always keep my stuff because well partially because of youtube and i'm like maybe i'll make a video on that one day but also it's it's a thing where like i like to have a catalog and i like to know i own this thing and that i can play it whenever i want even if i never play it again um stupid as that may be but you know humans are irrational that's the basis of humanity (laughs) just irrationality i think um it's the human condition uh yep so anyway let's uh get to talking about those video games then bali you have been playing one game for a very long time that you've had mm. on the back burner that you finally finished up. Yeah, I kept it under the radar. I've just been playing it pretty much since the start of the year um, while I've been playing other things. Uh, and that game is Horizon Zero Dawn. So obviously Sony's first party big hit of 2017. Mm-hmm. Uh, you played it just after Breath of the Wild, I yeah. think, in 2017? Well, I played it a few months later. I think I played it in the summer, like July or something around that time. Um, so yeah, I was coming off of you know my loving with Breath of the wild and everyone was raving about horizon it was really funny when horizon came out i remember thinking oh man the reviews for this are so good like are people going to be underwhelmed when they come to zelda because it's like nintendo's first take at a real open world game like sony are clearly have more experience in this like it i, I was very worried that breath of the wild was going to underwhelm people then it came out and it's like oh no actually nintendo not only made a better game they redefined the entire fucking genre and made one of the greatest games ever made <laughs> so should i have been doubting them no um so i think that had maybe an impact on me when i came to horizon because to me horizon's like just another open world game it's just another ubisoft collectathon thing with probably a, a better story than most of those games but yeah. one that didn't really engage me personally so i've never been a huge fan of horizon it, it feels like it takes a lot of those systems and goes really complicated and in-depth with those and i actually thought overall the game is incredibly impressive and i really really enjoyed this game yeah um, i think the most impressive part is are the battle mechanics and the way that you fight these great mechanical beasts like and some of the animations especially so the main part of the game is one of the main parts of the game is overriding so you have this spear that basically you plug it into animals uh, mechanical animals throughout the world and then they become on robot dinosaurs valley please robot dinosaurs robot dinosaurs exactly <laughs> um so you can control well you don't control them they 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 fight for you um once you have overridden them and so the second you override them they'll just start fighting their their brethren straight away they'll just turn out turn on them and start fighting them and just sitting back and hiding in like some long grass and watching these huge mechanical beasts fight each other i think is one of the most visually incredible things i've actually seen hmm. seen in games i actually thought that was maybe one of the highlights of the game and, yeah and then but, that's the thing that feels more systematic you know it feels more like zelda where you can kind of get things to like interact with one another um yeah and i think that it's, it's actually kind of taken from far cry because far cry really started establishing that idea of like enemy base camps and taking animals and setting them loose like you can set bears loose on um enemy soldiers in that game and have it kind of create this like riotous situation where you're not necessarily doing anything 
anything, but you have caused these events to take place. Mm. Yeah, no, and it's it just works so well, and like the le- level of detail on what you're watching is always unbelievable. And there's just so much loot in this game, and like I do think it can't the game gets a little bit bogged down by how the sheer number of materials and different weapons right and- i always felt like Jeez. selling stuff i didn't know what to sell or what was going to be worth anything or if i needed to keep something i can't remember if it like tells you like this is going to be necessary yeah or- so th- each item it does tell you whether you can trade it for items or right. sell for shards or shards of the currency right but it doesn't like sort it in a way that's easy to just sell all the stuff that you want to sell you know it could be better. It, yeah. it, sort of, it, it'll label it correctly, but there's maybe not enough options to sort of split between the, those labeling systems. Right. Um, and yeah, God, there are just so many weapons and ways, different ways to take down enemies where you can focus on the, one of my favorites was the trip caster. So you can set up a cable along the floor and one of my favorites was an explosive cable along the floor. So as long as the animal runs into that cable, it'll explode and shoot them back, sometimes knocking them down. And I had the, I used the stun cables. I used the stun arrows. It was late in the game before I started using like the ice arrows, the shock arrows. Hmm. and stuff like the fire when it came to taking down like the larger dinosaurs were you focusing on taking parts off of them like was that a strategy that you employed and found effective of because a lot of the game in the lead-up was all about detaching elements of them and then sometimes if it's a large gun you can like use that against them stuff like that was yeah was that helpful by the end of the game my main strategy on most medium to large enemies and um we should say that all the enemies just come for you like hell in this game like that's kind of why i don't like it right because because your main form of attack is a ranged weapon which is your bow and arrow and yet the game is built with these creatures that are so melee aggressive they will run at you non-stop they will hunt you down and hound you and your movement is decent but the roll and your run speed is not fast enough i found to get away in time before they just maul you to death and so i have these moments where i'm trying to shoot something but it's running at me and like i don't have time to get out of the way like get far, far enough away to shoot again before it just destroys me and, and the melee options that you have have a pretty lackluster so it to me it felt like this mismatch of it's so focused on being far away from the enemies and yet they are always coming at you with melee damage and so it's you really need to you really need to know what you're doing my tips would be like use the traps use the trip caster stay stealthy like. right but the thing is they're so fast that you cut like the trip caster requires you to take time to do one down the other down then run into it you don't have that time when they're aggressively like coming at you it just for me the speed but, of but the, the second, other the second they're coming at you you're already like you're already doing badly in the sense like you there's a lot of there's a bit big stealth element where you need to stay hidden and what I would normally do is identify, right, they've got a blaze canister on them. I'm going to stay stealthy. And I'm going to target. I'm going to set up a couple of traps for when they start running and they've identified me. I'm going to shoot that blaze canister. The blaze canister explodes, normally doing about quarter, third, sometimes half damage. It also will knock them down. And the second they're knocked down, I get in there and I, and I will finish it off with the critical hit. So it's like, and I'd also argue that 
as you unlock more stuff in the game, your spear gets stronger to the point where you can actually knock down the medium to large beasts with your yeah. slower R2. The so melee never of... felt good to me, though. It, it always felt very spammy and, and not particularly good. And I think the thing that really gets me is the quality of the animation. I don't think that when you hit, it feels good. I don't think... I think this is more sound design than anything, but coming off Breath of the Wild and the in- impeccable sound design of the Bone Arrow in that game, it never felt satisfying for me to shoot. It never felt like I was having good damage. There's this really, like, hollow thud to everything. And and even, like, when you're fighting the human enemies, it just feels like they flop down really weirdly. It's There is... I, I'm not going to say lack of polish, because the game is very, very polished, and it, it looks incredible, and it's, it's so good. But there are certain elements of the combat that, to me, feel a little bit off-kilter and not as fluid I as they should stuff be. stuff like... The, the animation to do the critical hit and the the stabbing in to like the heart of these beasts feels right. incredible and yeah that stuff that is amazing stuff. when you're overriding i think they do a great job of showing yeah. that stuff but it's yeah. more about the mid combat stuff that irked me somewhat i, I found initially the this the, the small so you got a small swipe and a large swipe with your spear I, I found as i played more i it grew on me and i was hardly using the small swipe unless it was like just to finish off a tiny bit of damage because i unlocked quite early on the ability to knock down with the larger swipe which is quite important sure just, even from a defensive perspective because you're, you're knocking them down and once they've been knocked down they're susceptible to your critical hit and it's that you can do a lot of damage with the spear um and i was really into like the bombs with the sling and all this sort of stuff and about it did take me a while to get into it in terms of that sense where it did take me 15 to 20 hours i would say before i was like right i've got a full arsenal i know how to take down i don't know 80 percent of the beasts in this world i've discovered how to take them down i've got a good backup of materials for all these different things and i know what i'm doing you definitely feel on the back foot for large parts of the game and there is a real survivally like oh my god i'm gonna die at every single yeah. encounter almost and i actually initially didn't like that a ton but it did grow on me and working out actually i can be patient i can scan them i can work out their tracks i can uh i know that this we're in a valley right now so if they start running they're gonna have to go through that point therefore if i put you know a blast trip caster there i know they're gonna be knocked over there and i can set up like a whole herd to sprint through that valley by bombing the area behind them forcing them through into my trap doing a ton of damage and finishing off with them finishing them off with some critical hits like i, I loved the way this the synergy of those mechanics together hmm. um which feels far more huntery and um like connected between weapons and versus a game like breath of the wild but that's not exactly what obviously breath of the wild is going for no it's, yeah, um, it's totally but different. this is this feels far more huntery in that sense and i really liked that um a huge part of this game and the reason i loved it so much actually is the story i think the second that you're in that world and you see these mechanical beasts and dino robo dinosaurs and things you're wanting to know how on earth why is the world like this what is the 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 how did it come to this point you want to know the history of the world and i think the game is quite good at drip feeding that but then it kind of tells you the whole thing in a, in, yeah, it's in a kind wonder. of like a big dump uh, it's a big dump end, near yeah. like 
not near the end but sort of in the run-up to the end like the final six seven eight hours and that that final six seven eight hours story-wise is one of my favorite stories in games to be honest i really really got into this story i yeah. think that there is far too much fluff to do with tribe the tribes in the game and the tribal politics and deception and these sorts of things that don't directly relate to the history of the world. And well, it's not about like the overarching story. It's more more about like the current society. And, exactly, and, what's going and on, that yeah. stuff is very dull and it's fine. But it, it's the sci-fi aspect of the history of the world that is the absolute best bit of the of the game story-wise. And I think when you look at the best bits of this game, so like that story and the mechanical hunting and the fighting between beasts and the overriding, I think this game has a a lot to offer. Um, I think that Aloy as a character is fascinating. She's incredibly sassy. Like there's so much talking back she does to most of the characters in the game. It's great. Ashley Birch is very good. I think she's really coming to her own as a voice actress in the last, you know, few years or so. She's great in Life is Strange. She's very good in this game. Um, Very good performance, I would say. I do think the game falls down where a lot of the animations of the of the the story stuff the voice acting is very awkward and especially yeah. when you compare that to god of war and spider-man just the next year from sony first part right it's, it's just some of the facial stuff which is a bit rough but like yeah. the thing you always have to consider when talking about horizon is that this came from a studio that made first person shooters linear yeah. dark gritty first person shooters and for them to go from that to a completely different thing which is an open world rpg that is so colorful and vibrant uh, and all about narrative um it, you can i feel like you can forgive them for a lot of those yeah. things because I, it, it's kind of incredible what they did it really is this is like such an impressive game i think the world has good diversity in sense of like the jungles forests deserts snowy peaks i think yeah. it's good for that sort of thing but it's not very good for like we talked about how breath of the wild is like a theme park wherever you're standing in that park you can mm-hmm. see iconic um buildings and right you can orient yourself you know where you are in the world whereas horizon landmarks everything kind of looks the same and you yeah. don't like the, i never had a sense of the place that i was in yeah. um the sense of place is isn't as good in terms of like right. a world to explore and that's why i think the open world is kind of superfluous in this game it's not really a necessity and and tim getty's talked about this when the game came out but he played it more like uncharted where he was just going story mission to story mission and honestly if it had been more of a linear game i think i would have liked it more i think actually the open world kind of takes away from some of the stuff that yeah, you're trying to do I, see i would have struggled playing it like that simply for just going on an exploration and getting in the extra parts is so useful in combat because you need all those materials as you burn through um ammo on right because the game is very challenging like you need to upgrade stuff in order to do well the way i dealt with that though was um i got fed up with the combat so i switched it to easy and then i didn't (laughs) have to worry about that shit you know like i i was just so done with the combat that i was like i don't care you put me on easy let me just finish See, I the just story the combat i really, really yeah and i think it. we're just at odds there i think yeah. we're just generally at odds with this game because the story really completely are. underwhelmed me i had zero interest in it well not zero like i i, I think there was I mean, my favorite parts of the combat and the story and you're like yeah the combat and story were not great <laughs> so. it's literally the worst parts of the game for me not the worst <laughs> but like you know the it, the world was cool it didn't it never gave me a satisfying conclusion or answer to anything that i thought would have been interesting i don't know i just i felt it i felt it was rather predict not necessarily predictable but i i didn't think that it was particularly satisfying in terms of what it it ended up you know okay being. So, yeah 
I mean, I, th- there's a lot of questions I want answered, and I'm very excited for the sequel. I, I think the worst part of the game is the human-to-human combat. You mentioned it earlier. It's because you've got the, this great swinging arc and this slow, powerful R2 f- sort of finishing style move. And other than that, you've got your bow and arrow and your other weapons that don't really work on the humans in the same way. I mm. think that the human to human combat was a real afterthought and just right because it's not really about like setting things up it's more just shoot them you know yeah and also their intelligence just seems really weird they'll just stand back and start shooting and then they'll charge you whereas a lot of the the beasts in this game seem more intelligent than the humans when it comes to combat (laughs) yeah there's some rough ai on on the yeah you can really tell a lot more time and energy was spent on those mechanical beasts and that is by far, in a way, the most impressive part and most satisfying part mm. of the game to play when it comes to the combat. Um, but yeah. I can see they, they felt they had to do the human-to-human stuff just because of the amount of tribal politics in this right. game. Right, yeah, yeah. That, um, it's not great, as I said, story-wise, but overall, I'm pumped for like the sequel to this game. There's some nice twists in the tales near the end that's like building building to a next step and if the ps5 launches with the <laughs> horizon zero dawn 2 i'm i'm probably in you know like yeah. i'm i'm really really um into this world that cool. they've created and yeah, yeah I, I must have done i probably spent i wish i had a clock on ps4 but i spent probably 40 to 50 hours with this game and wow i did a decent chunk of side stuff um and most of my side stuff was just literally exploring and leveling right. up it wasn't did so you get much- all the tall necks did you open up the whole map uh, no, I left a couple of the tools. Oh, really? I did, wow, I, I got okay. all of them bar like two, I think. But yeah, um, yeah I, so I did a lot more exploration. Um, I got to level 42 in the end, I think. And the level up system is weird where it basically all, you do, all it does is give you a, a level up point. You can spend those points on your skill tree. Right, and yeah, it yeah. also improves your defense mm-hmm. by like 10% or something. So yeah. it's, it's good. Overall, very happy um i'm a real sucker for a good third person open world game and i think this thing game does a lot of great things don't get me wrong breath of the wild is still by far and away better than uh-huh. this game but i yeah. like the what this game was trying to do it, it's a it, good one of those that's how i look at it it's like it's a good one of those um yeah. but i'm kind of over one of those is you know when things like <laughs> witcher 3 and breath of the wild exist i've seen that the open world genre can do so much more and so when it comes to like every year another assassin's creed i'm like well it's just kind of like there's nothing surprising or new about it. It's like I've I've done this yeah. rodeo. I've been down this this path. So, um, yeah, cool. And cool. then very quickly, um, I beat a PSVR game, Super oh, Hot Bally, VR. Back on his VR nonsense again. I'm loving the VR nonsense right now. So you've played Super Hot on PC, yes. right? And- I fucking love Super Hot. It is such a smart, amazing game with so many. It just makes you feel awesome. Um, and when I was telling you about this game, you're like, oh, yeah, this is the VR version. I'm like, Bali, fucking play that. <laughs> and you're like, oh, really? And I was like, yes, because it, it, it is one of those experiences. It's one of those experiences that I imagine having played the original is going to be amazing because the way you feel just playing it on like keyboard and mouse on PC is pretty damn cool. Actually being in the environment and like dodging bullets and throwing guns right. and like. Yeah, seems like something that would be pretty so, spectacular. So for those who don't know, time moves when you move and you're shooting and stealing guns off enemies and killing them. Obviously, like, the difference here is um, time doesn't move when your head moves. Um, so now, you and like you said, with VR, you now have the ability to actually dodge bullets. What do you mean time um, moves when your head moves? Time doesn't move when your head moves. Your, time oh. will... 
time so time always moves very slowly in this game we should say that it doesn't right. actually stand still but time moves when your hands move in this game uh, so okay. as long as you keep your hands still you can actually look around the the room checking for enemies right okay um, and as and time like time won't Time will move a little bit when your head moves. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, um, it's always been like that, where it's like right. very, very slow. So you have the ability to dodge bullets, and that just by itself feels... You could just have a, a VR game where you're just standing there dodging bullets in uh-huh. slow motion, and it would probably be a pretty cool game. But this uh, game... Are you stationary the whole time? Because what I've seen from this game is you like are staying in one yes. place, and they will kind of throw enemies and situations at you as you kind of stand there and deal with them. You are, you are stationary all the time, but, I mean, you can move within the range of the psvr camera right like, you yeah. can still so uh, it doesn't have any like teleportation stuff where you're moving yourself around like that or anything um a tiny bit but so you know each there's 30 levels and each level is split into like four or five mini levels yeah and so it might be like right you have there's one level where it says dance and you're like on this table like with a pole in the middle and you're essentially a dancer <laughs> okay. and every, there's three dudes shooting you and the game is expecting you to just dodge bullets for like a, a, I don't know, a few thirty seconds or so, yeah, and then yeah. the next phase is actually behind the dudes. So it'll warp you behind the dudes, and then you can take them on. Okay, but it's like a different level, essentially. It's like it's essentially a different level. So yeah. you're not you aren't actually warping around yourself. It's just right. the next level is. It a just warp. loads it into right. a different place. Yeah. Okay. And it can get really tough like it's really easy to feel pretty overwhelmed in this game and um, it's like there's a plain level level where i got completely overwhelmed and i realized that all i needed to do was duck there were like chairs in front of me and i just had to duck and then i poke my head out around the corner see some dudes and i just start shooting them from like crouching down on the ground mm. and caroline found this hilarious but uh-huh. there's a lot <laughs> like of that's levels... the thing with vr is people watching you do vr right. think you're an idiot <laughs> But there's so many levels near the end where there's a lot more emphasis on cover shooting and just using a bit of cover where where it gives it to you. And there's like one level where you pick up a frying pan and you're just holding that on your left side, blocking a dude while you're shooting other dudes. Yeah. And it's it's something special. And it's one of those things... Where, it's a good example of virtual reality when it's not replicating real life, it's replicating real life and then making real life better in the sense that i could go paintballing and stand on the spot and probably have a fun time but i wouldn't be able to dodge bullets in slow motion exactly that's where yeah a virtual in- world can obviously it. do that exactly so it's one of those things where you're like wow this is really really quite something so i will say that i don't think the psvr version is incredible in the sense that there can be points where the second that your arms cross over or something gets in the way of like the camera detecting the light on the end of the move controller um your guns can start kind of flying around the level or like your hands just aren't it it can it can drop out for a split second and it can get fiddly where say you're ducking for cover and there's a number of weapons all quite close to each other on the ground it can sometimes get a little finicky like trying to pick up and drop the correct weapons but Right. All all the stuff like by the end of the game I knew exactly how many bullets were like in each gun and I'd like count through them and stuff like this. Okay. You really feel that like all the shotguns have two bullets and you're like, right, I, I love the shotgun, but I have to recognize that two bullets. So it's like bang bang, drop, pick up, take those guys out, drop, duck. Okay, this guy's coming, he's coming right at me, I'll just punch him, right? He's dropped a, a pistol, grab the pistol, right? Here's some more dudes, bang, it's the, bang. It's the bang. grabbing out of midair 
in vr that for me gets me most excited because that was one of the coolest yep. things to do is like punch a dude grab his gun out of midair as he drops it but like actually physically doing that seems i mean so cool just picking up a gun and shooting down sights in vr on its own feels incredible but then adding like you said when they drop guns you're picking them up um it's all in slow motion and then you're dodging bullets and then you shoot a guy and you even unlock an ability where it's basically like a jedi using the force kind of thing where this is in the main game but you basically just hold both arms together and you can blow up blow off the head of like a single dude so Shit, that is so, not in super hot so goddamn <laughs> right so say i don't say i don't have any weapons i've used up all my guns and there are two dudes walking towards me um i can just immediately duck for cover use force i'll just stand up again and one of them's been blasted by me uh and then i can like, get the gun off the other one and but the, often the guys with guns will always walk towards you so if you're one-on-one with anyone in the game you can you can get by just by dodging the bullets essentially and then grabbing the gun off them and shooting them with their own gun it's it's ridiculous it's a very very special game i think mm. i think it's it's one of the most incredible experiences i've ever had in gaming and it's a great use of showing off vr to someone who's doesn't know what the hyperam vr is um, yeah it's it's a fairly cheap game on psvr it's it's quite something and i am still in awe at what the the feelings that that game like makes you feel is, is something special i really want you to try Great. this game MZ. yeah i want to play it real bad man god um yeah super hot it's you should, you should play the original now as well because i think th- both are completely different games um mm. and the original actually has a lot of stuff in it w- which is like kind of narrative stuff that is very cool as well and it's i kind of talked about it a bit on the show but it is very fourth wall breaky and it does some some neat unexpected things that mm. um you should definitely experience this, so. this game hints at the fourth wall breaking mm. and then doesn't really do anything with it okay okay. like it just kind of there's a there's a thing but i I mean it's usually on sale on psn at some point you know pick up three quid at some point i'd say it's it's a good shout um but yeah cool excellent uh so so yeah you've been playing a lot of that stuff yeah i've uh, also started ape out and uh not super beat saber as i mentioned i'll talk about those two next time yeah ape out on switch that people been chatting that's a very good game people need to try and play cool yeah well we'll hear about that next time hopefully um myself i have been playing a lot of action games um two games came at similar times for me one an old game one a new game i've been playing devil may cry 5 which i'm not going to talk a huge amount about but i think that i'm not one for these types of games usually i'm very bad at them um i'm very bad at character action i bought the original bayonetta 2 on wii u having played the demo because it just felt so fucking amazing i played that demo and i was like holy shit this game feels awesome um and i want to play it and i did, did but i played through on easy, easy. Oh, uh, yes i did easy. yeah yeah, yeah. Um, i i tend to do that like with platinum games i played uh, metal gear rising revengeance on easy as well and i did the same for devil may cry 5 and i kind of maybe regret it a little bit because i think Devil May Cry 5 is challenging, but I don't think on normal I wouldn't have been able to finish it. Like, I think I could have done it, and I think it would have taxed me a bit, but I I do think I had the ability to do so. It just would have taken a little bit of, you know, learning the mechanics a bit more. But 
there's just so much in this game. There's, it's overwhelming in a way in terms of options and things you can do. There's three separate characters. They're all, they all play so differently with Nero, V, and Dante. And Dante in himself is just ridiculous. Like he has access to so many different weapons and styles. And it's, the game is all about just the style of it and the fluidity of combat and juggling enemies and just swapping between all your different options my favorite thing because i played the original devil may cry last year to kind of catch up on the series and be like what is this this about what, what is the game like and i don't think the original devil may cry holds up that well but the thing i thought was really cool about it is you can jump in midair and shoot guns and you just hover there as you're shooting your guns so you're like ebony and ivory the two twin pistols that dante wields you're just like hovering there shooting guns and you know that plays into this game as well like you can do that with nero and with dante um and it's all about switching things up so like keeping your combo going by continuously shooting um and just like throwing so many different moves in there and it's relatively easy to get your head around it's not like a fighting game where you're learning seven button inputs and like it's really complicated most of it is done through two buttons which is your melee button and your uh range button so like x and y and it is pretty simple um because it's like it's more like timed button presses so to do a certain move you like press x wait a second then press x x um so it's just more about timing than it is about learning a lot of different things um but there's so much ridiculousness there's the thing that's been heavily marketed is that dante has this weapon which is basically a motorcycle and it might be the most fun i've had with a weapon in a video game it is so absurd and ridiculous and you're just swinging these two halves of a motorcycle around and then you're like juggling people in midair with it and its special move is dante gets on it and starts like riding it into enemies and like slicing them with the wheels it is just absurd in the most hilarious and fun way possible possible um and the game runs so well uh, my pc is getting a little old now it's like six years um and i have a 970 which is kind of it's, it's still a good graphics card but it's, it's showing a bit of its age but it looks incredible like the new engine that capcom have been using recently with resident evil 2 remake um like characters look so good their faces and the animations are incredible um, and it just ran so smooth at 60 the whole time i just it is such a thrill ride there's so much fun stuff that goes on um yeah i'm not one for these games but i i had a fucking blast with devil may cry 5 it is and not even to mention v who's the new character who plays like waypoint described him like a pokemon trainer because he just kind of stands there as his shadow cat and his bird attack for him and it's very weird to describe because watching video footage of it i didn't really understand how it works um but essentially as you tap the melee button and, and the range button the shadow cat is like the physical attacks and the bird is like kind of a gun where it shoots out like laser bolts and stuff um and they kind of like just attack for you as you walk around but they can't kill enemies so you always have to do this final blow so you basically get enemies into a staggered state and then you warp over them um to to finish them off and so it feels so satisfying to like stagger an enemy like warp over there and slice them while still attacking another enemy at the same time and then like chaining together these staggers it's they really they nailed what a video game should feel like and capcom are very unabashed with this in some senses it feels like a ps2 game still down to a lot of the platforming and things like that but it feels like a ps2 game that had five billion dollars thrown at it because it's so good looking feels so amazing just looks incredible um yeah it's it's this weird mix of worlds where it's like clearly a very old school type of game 
and you know the story is nonsense it's it, it's you know very hammy and cheesy but it is all about that and it leans into it in such a good way um some of the slow-mo stuff they do with the cutscenes is just uh, it's it's over the top love it um so yeah had a great nice. time with the mc5 would recommend people check it out the other thing that i've been playing which i think is fantastic is a 2d action game which is hyper light drifter which is out on switch uh, people can check it out there um i got it because they got a switch tax it is yes it's like 1799 um i have it free there's this kind of thing that's going on right now is like all these games i want to play on switch suddenly twitch prime has them and i just have them for free on twitch prime so like battle chef brigade which i wanted to play on switch i played that on twitch prime this um snake pass which just went on twitch prime even though snake pass has been on sale recently i think mm. um but i've been playing hyperlight drift and i finished it as well and that game is it's hard to describe because i think it is in some senses like a 2d zelda like it's this top-down game um and it's pixel art style it looks really cool but i'd never been super interested in it because it seemed more actiony than puzzly and explorationy um, and i think that's what we enjoy most about zelda is the more puzzly explorationy aspects but the thing about Hyperlight Drifter is the combat is so damn good and satisfying in a similar way to devil may cry 5 that that pulled me the whole way through so the setup is that you're this kind of drifter you have um, a dash and a sword attack and you also have a gun so you have a bit of ranged options as well so you have those three kind of options and the overworld is set up that there's the central town and there are four areas like north west east and south and you can kind of go wherever you want from the beginning so it is non-linear i think the south portion is the one that you have to do last so you have to do the first three then you do the last one which is the south area um but the way it works is like you don't really know what the best route to do is so you can kind of just choose any direction and the direction i went in first of all is the west and i looked up online afterwards most people recommend not doing that because it is the hardest area to start with um but i did it and i went there um and what it really solidified for me was getting the combat down and a lot of the enemies in this game they'll usually have like three health so your sword your regular sword attack usually isn't fast enough to kill them in one combo um so like you'll hit them twice but then they are not staggered by it so they will jump at you and like slice at you um before you can kill them so you'll take a hit if you try and just spam away so the game really teaches you from the early stages that you need to slice dash away dash back and then slice again um and they really vary up the types of enemies that you're facing to to change the game and to make it so much more engaging like there are enemies that have they kind of warp so they they show you and that's the thing the game gives you all this information as well so you always know where the enemy will end up so it shows you like a split second beforehand where they're going to warp to they warp to that point and slice at that point so you have to be like okay i'm going to slice you i'm going to dodge away to where you're warping to so then, then i can finish you off and they they do a great job of mixing enemies together in these combinations that are really difficult um but so satisfying to take down there are so many moments of just um elation where you have this really challenging combat encounter but you're able to make it through and you feel fantastic for it um and the way the game works is you have a healing system that is not similar to hollow knight but i would say you do have to find a safe spot in order to heal it's a lot faster like it doesn't take as long as it does in that game but 
you definitely need to pick your battles so in terms of like if you're running low on health you need to really check yourself and be like okay i gotta dash away quickly heal and then get back into the fight so um, all the areas are really well built in terms of balance like they'll have enough med kits for you where you can take a decent number of hits but still survive for long enough um and the other thing that you kind of collect are these shards that when you get four of them they turn into a coin and the coin is the currency that you can use to buy upgrades and you can use to um you know increase the amount of ammo that your guns have um so a lot of the game in terms of exploration secret finding is it's less puzzly and it's more just finding areas that look like there's something going on um a lot of the times there are these symbols the game is doesn't have any dialogue so it's very mysterious it's kind of like fez in that way where it doesn't really explain itself um a lot of it is like symbology and stuff like that um so there are usually like little markers on the ground like tiny little square markers where if you go up to them and you like hold down a certain button it will maybe reveal an invisible platform in midair that you can actually go across and find a a hidden area where you can get like you know some more shards or you can get like a new cape or a new sword or, or something along those lines um Uh, and every area also has these cores so that's kind of how you unlock the map is you get to an area you have to get a certain number of cores to unlock the boss and then you go and fight the boss and then it raises like this tower in the center and the idea is you have to do all four areas and you come back to the center for the kind of final encounter um but the boss design is fantastic it really like the first boss that i fought was in the west area where, where people told you know said you shouldn't go there because he is so fast and aggressive um and really requires a lot of learning of patterns and knowing where he's going to be um, and just smart play which i died so many times on him but every time i was learning something new and i always felt like okay this is achievable i can do this like i can overcome this challenge um and later on like i started to really mix it up a lot like i relied a lot more on the gun because one of the ones you get is a shotgun blast and so it does three shotgun bursts at a very short range but if you're right in front of an enemy all three of those blasts will hit them so it'll do three damage to them so you can really take down a huge chunk of enemy health by using the shotgun blast smartly Mm. Um, and the the ammo situation builds into your combat as well because in order to regain bullets you have to slice your uh, sword so like slicing your sword charges up your it's similar like I, i guess in hollow knight like your slashes charge up your um your juice or whatever this time it charges up your bullets and so it really is that balance of using the shotgun a bunch and i did that on lots of bosses but also you need to start slicing them again to build that up so it's this kind of balancing between the two um it looks really good i think it has a it has a pixel art style that i'm not a huge fan of usually but i think it it does work for what they're going for and it's kind of this top-down thing Um, one of my favorite things it does actually is the enemies stay dead because there is a lot of times when you're going back through areas to find things and and see if you can figure out where right. the, the hidden stuff is that's and quite so, unusual in games like that isn't yeah it? When... yeah and, and i think that is a really great addition because it means it's not hindering your backtracking and it's not annoying you like i really love the combat in this game but if it was constant and assaulting me um when i'm going back through areas and respawning people 
that would suck like i really don't like that and that's kind of a thing of old school game design um that i'm not a fan of but even like down to where the corpses were when you slayed them because they all stay on the ground so you walk through this area you've been through and all the enemies that you killed in exactly the same places they were um which is cool yes dark yeah but i think that is is an is a neat touch and it it kind of um emphasizes some of the harshness of the world um and like it doesn't really have a story necessarily it's more you know um law story not really law like there are cutscenes, but it's this it's very subtle apparently i watched the review yeah, apparently yeah. that there's no a, a lot of it is i think story quite biographical because the dude who made this game had like quite a bad illness when he was making it i think he still does i don't i can't remember what it is but the main character of this game is also suffering from an illness so they will often like go into a state of comatose or they will start coughing up blood and stuff and when your health is low pools of blood will just appear at your feet as you kind of walk along um so yeah there's definitely some of that in it um that that makes it a little bit more um i don't know you know narratively um interesting but the game itself is just so immaculately made and and feels amazing and i think that i i want to play more that this developer have made and they just announced a new game which is cool it's more of a 3d game called solar ash kingdom that we don't know much about right now but um yeah is that is that linked to this game in any way or do you think it's something completely i don't know it has a similar aesthetic to it um it's similar name scheme wise because like hyper light drifter solar ash kingdom you know like three (laughs) things um i don't know i don't know what that game's gonna be but i I would highly recommend people check this game out. It um, The good thing is they updated it because when it originally came out, it was 30 frames per second um, on PC even, which is like, that's not a thing you should do. Um, so they changed it. I think it runs at 60 on Switch. It, it, it should do. Um, but it is that fluidity as well that works so, so amazingly. Um, there's some of the stuff that's a little bit too ob- obscure for me. Like one of the upgrades is a chain dash. So you if you time button presses correctly you can like dash 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 like for to gain speed over a a kind of large distance but it doesn't explain it very well when you buy the item it just says press a then a and so it doesn't really give you the sense that it's a specific like rhythmically timed thing it's not because i was just like spamming a and it wasn't doing it and i was like how the hell does this work so i had to go on youtube and look up a guide of how how to do it um which you know to some degree games like this thrive on that stuff of like being a little bit obscure but i think when it comes to the base game mechanics you should maybe be a bit more clear about it um and you do get really cool upgrades that are kind of necessary later on one of them is you are able to reflect bullets so your sword can reflect bullets back at enemies um, and that gets very important because there are a lot more enemies later in the game that have guns that use them against you and there's a particular boss near the end that is just like kind of a bullet hell thing and so if you don't have the ability to reflect bullets you're going to have a real rough time against him um so so yeah some of that stuff is optional but kind of feels necessary and you you should be going out of your way to find secrets because a lot of the secrets are that currency that will allow you to buy a lot of the upgrades in the game um so so yeah i would say you should kind of maybe do that um but otherwise i i was so impressed by it i think it is one of my favorite things i've played this year so far amazing nice. and you know um yeah you should check out hyperlight drifter it is it is so so good add it to um, my watch list yeah definitely do definitely sale. do 
so yeah so that is going to close us out for this first segment lots of video games um we are going to continue that trend after the break talking about one in particular which is luigi's mansion uh, for our next backlog club so don't go anywhere we'll be right back All right, folks, welcome back to the show. It is time to talk about our next Backlog Club game, which we had people vote on for our Patreon, and it turned out that people wanted us to play Luigi's Mansion. Um, Now, we ended up playing the 3DS version, the remake that came out last year, Um, but, you know, if people play along on the GameCube instead, um, you know, it's, it's pretty similar. I don't think they made too many radical changes in this version of Luigi's Mansion. Um, but again, I didn't play the original, uh, so I, I wouldn't necessarily know. I, I did play the original. Yes, MBZ. you did. Um, so I played all of about the first 45 minutes, if that, of yeah. this game when I was younger. And how old was I been when the GameCube came out? So I got this on Lord... 2001, we were about 10, I guess. Yeah, so I was like 10, 11 max, and... I found this game very, very, like, scary uh-huh. when I played the short amount I did at the time. Hey, look, I think people, listeners of the show, realise that both of us are massive wusses when it comes to um, massive wusses. anything horror-related, anything scary. So it's a given that, as children, something like Luigi's Mansion, which is very much parodying the type of horror um, tropes, to be actually mm. frightening and terrifying. Yeah, and but as much as horrifying as I found it, I actually did enjoy it. But I think it was partially the horror and just my inability to stick to games at the time that it just kind of meant I veered away to other stuff at the time. Mm-hmm. And, and I, it was the GameCube I, launch, I, right? So there were things like yeah. Melee had come out, and we were just playing Smash Brothers constantly and nothing else, basically. Yeah, Melee was a bit after launch, and then yeah, on launch I bought this Tony Hawk's. Pro Skater 4 and uh, Rogue Squadron. Right, and you and loved a Rogue lot Squadron. More. Yeah, I played a lot more Rogue Squadron and Tony Hawk's. Turns out, like, a few years later, I, like, traded in all three of those games. Nightmare. Mistakenly. Like, that was just... I actually went and rebought. Well, I never owned it, but I bought a copy of Rogue Squadron for GameCube because mm. I found it cheap in our like game shop we go to. And I and I bought like Rebel Strike years later, and that's got Rogue Squadron co-op in that game, which is very cool. Yeah, but you you can only play it as co-op, can't you? You can't play it single player. Yeah, it's only co-op. Yeah. Um, and considering you would be my ideal co-op partner, uh-huh. that's probably not no <laughs> not, no not going to go very because far. I'm very bad at the, those games. Yeah, um, just just not good at all. But Luigi's Mansion is one of those games that defined the GameCube launch. It was it was a big deal, right? Because for so long, Nintendo had defined their console launches through Mario games for like 18 years. Yeah. I believe. I think the last system to launch without Mario was there um, wasn't one because. 
I read 18 years somewhere. Okay. I don't know why. Well, I mean, if you think... No one necessarily knows when the NES launched, but I believe Super Mario Brothers was there when it, it came out. Um, obviously, the Super Nintendo had Super Mario well packed in for many people, and N64 was Mario 64. So Mario was the defining like launch title for Nintendo systems, and we finally have a Nintendo system where they didn't they decided you know mario sunshine wasn't ready yet they, they couldn't put it out at launch so they had this other game this other project they had been working on which is luigi's mansion and i don't know the genesis of luigi's mansion whether it's another miyamoto story of oh one day i decided to go to a theme park and go in the horror <laughs> house and then i had the idea for <laughs> luigi's mansion uh, you know like he does with pikmin and it was going to be a 3d game initially we know that much yes and i wanted to bring that up right because it's so interesting that finally, all this time later, like 17 years almost, yeah. that they finally realized the original intent of Luigi's Mansion because what they wanted for the GameCube was for it to have a 3D display. And there's like Iwata basically had told people around the time when the 3DS was coming out, they had, because you know it was a big deal when 3DS was launching, they'd finally managed to do this thing that they'd actually been working on for a really long time. And obviously, if you go back to even Virtual Boy, like they've been toying with varieties of ways to get 3D across. Um, but there was a kind of the the thing they were going to do is have an lcd screen um i've actually got a quote from uh, one of the awata asks that they did um where they said um yes we tried fitting the nintendo gamecube system with a small roughly four inch lcd that allowed you to enjoy luigi's mansion in glasses free 3d and then awata says we showed that lcd as a reference exhibit at 2002 e3 but kept the 3d aspect secret um so very very cool that even back then they were considering the potential of 3d and what it could do for games and how it could change them and uh, and and make things more interesting and obviously you know there there are many ways that they did that on the 3ds but ultimately the 3d fad kind of came and went and it's sad right because it's one of those eras that i will miss i think it was so nice going back to play this game because i had missed 3d i'd been playing my switch for so long now the last couple of years and i haven't played too much 3ds in the kind of interim so picking it up again and having a full 3d game was really great um because i think like the last 3ds game i fully went whole hog on was dragon quest 8 and they didn't have 3d in that version that like a lot of late era 3ds games they took it out um but i'm glad that with this game they put it in and i think the reason they put it in is because of the history of it because uh, historically they wanted to originally have luigi's mansion in 3d um so yeah it's, it's it's cool that they realized it uh i guess talking about that how how much do you think the 3d helps in this game how, how much do you think it affects it uh gameplay wise maybe not a ton no. but it certainly makes the game really look great when you're looking at these because i mean when they were selling like the 3ds um concept initially and people like how can it be 3d and then nintendo would sort of say well think about it in terms of not things popping out at you but rather looking into a box and when you're playing a game like luigi's mansion where you're essentially just looking into a large series of boxes in these rooms I think it works really well, and especially with stuff like the portrait ghost sticking out and some of the animations that they do, and they're, they are obviously translucent. And 3D with that translucency of the ghosts in the game, um, similar to Dark Moon, looks very, very good. Like Dark Moon is one of the best-looking um, 3DS games for its 3D, I think. And this game kind of plays... Well, I don't think it looks as good no, as Dark not Moon, quite. necessarily. 
um it still looks a lot better than the original and still looks very good i think yeah absolutely it's it really is like that diorama idea of going deep because i think the first time i tried a 3ds there was a, an, an event in edinburgh that i went to to test out to see what the 3d was like and it really was such a weird thing seeing it for the first time because i had expected it to be like popping out of the screen at you because that's what 3d had been in the past and yet nintendo's 3d is all about depth and all about looking into a space um and and that was really something that luigi's mansion was built for like you every room is this kind of little box that you peer into um and the way the camera works as luigi like works his way through the mansion you're always on that fixed perspective you're never moving to a different angle for luigi like luigi is on this two it is really like this 2d plane the entire time and whether you're going into the foreground or the background it's always kind of keeping the same locked on angle um and they even represent that in the smash brothers stage like because it is all those rooms and you kind of go through them as you kind of uh, tumble through the mansion um which is neat i now having played this game i really want to go back and pay more attention to that smash brothers stage because i'm sure every yeah. room in there is a reference to one of the rooms in this game um which is so cool because there are so many yeah. like little areas and, and things um but i guess let's just kick things off generally by what we think about the game overall did we enjoy it uh, and things like that and and how we felt so bali what what did you think of luigi's mansion i really enjoyed it it's got some flaws it's got some issues but i think it's that nintendo polish on something very far from what nintendo traditionally would go for and that's always refreshing when nintendo say hey like a game like splatoon it's like right we're going to take this shooting um the shooting genre and we're going to do a nintendo twist on it and i think this is that kind of kiddied down horror style game with a heavy dose of nintendo yeah and i think that brief it just does incredibly well i think that it's a very short game but i think it kind of fits this game in a way i think dark moon was actually a little bit too long by the end and it's nice to be away with the mission structure which i think was one of the weaker parts of dark moon and this game just feels open world's not really the right word for no it it feels very like condensed you know it's it's a condensed open world yeah but 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 it's it's Um, it's a very familiar space and i think that's the thing i like about it the most is that you really get to know the mansion you really get to mm. know its ins and outs and it i think one of the criticisms we can talk about is like i think it forces you through some areas like a few too many times but what that does what that does do is it makes you remember places right and each room has its own unique thing to it to make you remember where it is and and what perspective it is um so so yeah i think that's kind of a strength i also really enjoyed it i think it is interesting because back in the day everyone complained after the gamecube launched like man this game's too short i beat it in an afternoon like what what am i going to do with my gamecube now and obviously i have um you know sympathy for that plight at that point in time because you've just got a brand new console the first game you get you're done with it already um it's not quite breath of the wild no but but in in our state right now when you know we want to you know play lots of games and, and and get through stuff playing luigi's mansion was really refreshing in terms of here's this really great idea this high quality nintendo game that is 
in and out in six hours um and i thought it was just so well paced for that i think it, it does a really good job with the pacing um mm. and there are times where it feels padded but i think overall it's a really tight experience that has a lot of fun ideas and uh, and, and varies things up enough that you're never really bored of it you know i think the the idea can potentially run thin and maybe to some degree i'd say dark moon does that but i think this game as we have said is, is like a really kind of tight woven package so absolutely so yeah, really really enjoyed it um so i think one of the first things that you have to get your grips around with this game is how it controls right because in the gamecube era we had the c-stick and i don't know if you remember how that game controlled on gamecube but i think you know using that second analog stick was not something that either of us were very used to and not until i got a ps3 did i really start using dual analog for anything or really understanding how it properly works um but the way it works on 3ds is either you can use motion control for it or you can hold down one of the shoulder buttons or like b and then like move the analog stick while you're holding them so all these different like ways of holding the button down it was a little bit clunky and i I felt that it's one of the weaker aspects of the game and i I didn't go back to dark moon to check but i wanted to i don't know if you went back to it because i remember the controls in dark moon being a lot easier than this and for some reason it felt like when i started playing this game it was a little bit more difficult to get my head around you know moving everything around and and getting the vacuum to go in the directions i wanted it to yeah and it even has a mode where you can use the analog nub on the new 3ds right and that oh god it's so bad it just <laughs> it feels really and bad. i've never really used that before right because i got a new 3ds with like a capture card built into it and i haven't used it too much since i got it yeah. so like particularly that nub is something that is specific to certain games and they added it as an option here but it really doesn't work i don't really know how it's supposed to work but sometimes i'm pushing it really hard and sometimes i'm like trying to do it softly i just don't know the way it's calibrated for this game it's it's badly calibrated because i've used it in xenoblade chronicles 3d yeah um years ago when i played that game and it felt good then and that obviously isn't an action usage for the camera but it still worked very well and for something like aiming um the poltergeist up and down like i would have thought it could have been a little bit more functional and it just isn't so i used the motion control actually um i kind of regret that i don't know i i I don't think i fiddled enough with the different control options early in the game and i sort of swapped between them briefly and they both felt bad yeah i just sort of went with the one that felt least bad in a way definitely there is really a finickiness to it that I really like the idea and I love the notion of like Luigi using this vacuum cleaner to point at ghosts and to take them out and everything but the positional way that it works like sometimes I think the speed with which you move him around like holding down the B button to swing it like left and right or to spin it, spin himself around quickly on a dime sometimes because the ghosts were quite fast uh, at points it's hard to react quickly because the other thing that you need to be aware of is the bulb and like the settings on the bulb whether you want it to be like holding it down or whether you want it to just flash and i had to mess around with that a bit as well in terms of like what version of the bulb i wanted Um, and i ended up going with holding it down to charge and i was never really 100 percent certain on how that worked right like because it feels like some enemies you do have to fully charge it to get them 
and then sometimes you'll use it on an enemy and you haven't charged it but it still stuns them um and and that seemed for me that was maybe one of the inconsistencies i felt was there was never a clear way to stun an enemy whether it be the the charge is the size of the arc so even if you do a little charge if they're right in front of you you'll still catch okay because sometimes like you you flash it at them and they stop for a tiny fraction of a second which isn't enough time for you to start vacuuming them Um, so like there was a weird inconsistency there with the bulb and just figuring that stuff out but but again i think like it's weird because nintendo have these two conflicting elements like on the one hand they want you to use the 3d on the other hand they want you to use the motion controls and that's like fitting a square peg into a round hole it just isn't gonna work and and even with the 3ds the new 3ds having like the adjustable 3d that's supposed to move with you it just never was a good experience of using motion controls while having 3d on at the same time i did it to some degree just because sometimes it's a bit more intuitive and it worked a bit faster but every time i would lose something from the experience because the 3d would go out of focus or i'd have to like readjust my hands or whatever um so i and i don't know the easiest way to do it right because i don't know like like going back to dark moon maybe and and seeing what they did there i can't really remember that's one of those things i should have done before i'm like i am glad you can play about 80 to 90 percent of the game on a flat 2d plane right like you don't have to look up and down and it is i would have preferred if there were fewer action moments where you needed to look up and down especially yeah. those ghosts like getting the that get in the way that in the corridors and right that are right up above you and you had to it's like, all right here we go because you have to angle it at a high degree yeah. yeah and also they just keep constantly respawning the corridors and things and it does yeah it's really not worth like those ghosts in particular are they don't really give you anything they're just kind of there to spook you and annoy you more than anything else yeah um and especially when it gets to that one point where like all the ghosts are like the power goes out and it's just all the ghosts yeah. are chasing you around the mansion zero point in going for any of them because it's, you're just better to run and get out and just just move yeah. Yeah. um so yeah th- those respawning ones was just like yeah i can't be bothered with these guys they're kind of pointless they don't really give me anything they don't add to my like ghost count or whatever um so it felt very unnecessary uh to to try and take them down but again like i i think majority of the ghosts are just oriented so you don't have to angle your flashlight up or down so that makes things a lot easier and it means that like in the rooms where they do lock you in with a bunch of ghosts at once it is a bit more tenable for you to kind of catch them and 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 deal with it um so yeah anything else with the controls that you found interesting or Um, or tricky so one thing that dark moon added um that i remember being a big issue with the original louise mansion when i did play a bit of it before um was the ability to dodge while you were you were sucking ghosts right and going back to this it's obviously not in the game and it's one, it is a bit of one of my criticisms of dark moon that even with the dodge it felt like you were it was a lot of luck whether while you were sucking ghosts you would hit other ghosts mm. and take damage yeah and that's only made worse in this game where say you're in a room full of ghosts and you're sucking one of the ghosts while another one's just randomly walking around the room and then you randomly hit it yeah and it feels like there's no almost no skill in that it's just bad luck yeah. because of the random direction the ghost has pulled you in right. 
um i, I mean that that's a minor yeah thing. And, and it gets a bit worse actually i think because they have elements like the poison mushroom which if it hits you will turn you tiny and then put yeah. you out of your vacuuming or even the banana ghosts who just like they just throw bananas everywhere and so you're taking damage through sheer luck which right. just feels not good yeah yeah definitely there's there's definitely that element of it but i i think that is kind of the the thing they wanted to get across was like the wrangling aspect of it like it kind of feels yeah. it feels like luigi's a cowboy to some extent with like a horse you know that's kind of the yeah. the thing they're getting at here is like he's wrangling these ghosts they, they don't want it to feel automatic the second you're sucking them. exactly like, it, like the, 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 the challenge is it is using the analog stick to stay in the opposite direction so you get like it pulls on it because luigi won't yeah. actually reduce the number on the ghost unless it is directly in the opposite direction that it's going yeah in yeah so you have to readjust your stick constantly and that's the other thing i think with the 3ds that makes it a bit tricky is my thumb on the circle pad constantly i would have to like readjust it because it kept like slipping off the side of it um Mm. especially in those tougher ghost fights when you're really just hanging it to one angle and you're like trying to move it at the same time and yeah the 3ds circle pad is a thing that i love and i think it's such a cool idea but it is a, a little bit finicky at points, and there are definitely games where I feel like it doesn't serve it as well. Um, and, and in this case, it can get a little bit tricky with that, and kind of like if if you've got sweaty hands, like slipping off and being like, "Oh, I've, I've messed it up." So that can definitely right. be a little bit of an issue. But right. but yeah. Um, but generally, these complaints are fairly minor in the grand scheme right. of things, and I think about eighty to 90% of the time I think the controls were fine yeah exactly and job and it is a fairly slow paced exploration puzzle based game and there's just a little bit of action in there I think that doesn't take up too much time no. so it's not it's not the end of the world yeah and like taking down ghosts is pretty simple like you uh, some of them you have little tricks to them that you have to figure out it's obviously much more prevalent with the portrait ghosts because they are like puzzles in and of themselves um, but you know most of the time it's just like get a good flashlight on them make sure that you know if you can do get multiple at once so that then you can clear them out a bit more easily um and and yeah just kind of make sure that you're lucky and don't get hit by random shit which sometimes is easy and sometimes it's not it just kind of luck of the draws as it goes um but but yeah uh okay well in that case like maybe talk about some of the the things in the game uh, in terms of its its theming and, and, and everything i i think the idea of this individual mansion is great and and i kind of already mentioned that having that one space that you really get to know intimately is something that you don't have in the second game and i think uh, i understand more now why people are less a fan of, of that sequel because it really is despite the fact that you go back to those spaces again and again each time you go back they're slightly different and like there's different rooms you can access and some things are locked off like there's no sense of exploration and like finding your way around the place Um, whereas this game does a much better job of that despite its relative linearity one of the things i wanted to bring up which i don't know if was in the original is this game is very clear about where you need to go next 99 percent of the time because it has a map on the bottom screen and every time you get a key it will flash the door on the bottom screen that you need to use that key on um and i wonder if that's like a quality of life thing that they've changed for the 3ds version i'm i'm pretty sure it is because i really don't remember i need to check but i'm almost certain that there there wasn't a a clear map showing the use of keys in the same way yeah i think there might have been a map when you paused but it wasn't 
he is literally um, a key dangling over the door you you can now unlock. Right, sort of exactly. And, and so in this game, it makes it so much clearer. And instead of you running around every single door trying to see whether it works or not, you know exactly which one you need to go to. Um, which to some degree, people could argue, takes away from the exploration. But I think there's enough non-linearity like later in the game when you know especially when you're going back through to get booze and stuff i mean there's still stuff where regardless of knowing where the next key goes i needed a guide just to like see what am i meant to do here again i'm 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 missing yeah 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 yeah. there are a couple of things like that um for sure that that make it like it's not specifically tied to getting the key it's like doing something else specific that will open up an area or make it just you know easier to get through um but yeah how how do you feel about the mansion overall what do you what do you think of it as a, a space to explore uh, as a from a, like a mechanics perspective the space is is it's good it's so i i like that it's all so neatly interwoven um and the start is very very simple it's like a, a very small corridor mm. and you go in like two rooms and i think the third room is then the boss so that's that and then it gets more and more complicated and right. then by the end it's almost like a full-on mini boss in each room before the final boss and like it it feels it's got a nice ramp up to it that i think works well yeah and there are definitely elements of it that feel less um unique like i think the corridors you can get a bit confused because they're on the second floor and the first floor there's a section where you're going like left and right on a corridor and then there's a corridor that goes into the distance so deeper into the mansion and then you have a left and right from there and that corridor looks almost identical on both floors so like the first and second, first and second floor, floor yeah. yeah so you can get confused about which floor you're on unless you really have the map to hand and, and kind of know where you are and, and it's not helped by the fact it's done by american floors and not british oh floors, right where yeah you have a ground floor and then the first floor sure <laughs> so, yeah that's another so that thing. always confused me a bit more as well yeah definitely that that doesn't help um but but in terms of like character and everything i think that the mansion is really oozing with so much of that stuff feels alive yeah definitely and there's so much like um ambience that goes on from the lightning strikes that you see that kind of lights things up and really this is when people you know were chatting about you know luigi as a character because up until this point the only defining feature of luigi was like he can he's the one with the long legs that can jump higher in mario 2 like there wasn't a lot of stuff prior to luigi's mansion that defined him maybe paper mario to some degree because paper mario had luigi as a character in there uh, i think there's even a reference in paper mario to luigi's mansion because i think they were developing it around the same time um and and so in this game you really get that sense of him as this terrified scaredy cat who is calling out for mario nervously one of my favorite things this game does is when he's about to open a door the shaking of his hand as it reaches towards the doorknob is so good it conveys so much character in such a small moment and really builds anticipation um and the nervousness that he has we have an email about this exact Great, point. let's talk shall about we, it. Shall we get to that? Yeah, absolutely. So, Cap- Capsule J wrote in on Discord. Um, one of the things I find interesting about Luigi's Mansion is that it, is re- it reverses the roles of the player and player character compared to other survival horror games. 
Usually the character is bravely facing the situation like Leon in Resident Evil, and we the players are scared of the monsters. In Luigi's Mansion, the game isn't very scary to us, but Luigi himself is absolutely terrified. I also love the way Luigi nervously hums the game's theme song to himself in an attempt to break the tension in the quieter parts of the game. Yeah, man, I love how he hums that. That's one of my favourite things. It's something that people talked about all the time, but what a great observation that, like, yes, we the roles are completely reversed because it isn't really a scary game. It is very cartoony. The ghosts are very much like, you know, they're, they're nothing that are... Um, kind of horrific about them they're kind of like googly eyed and everything but Mm. Luigi is just so scared (laughs) and he doesn't want to be there clearly just wants to leave but he has to he is he is bound to find his brother and he he has that loyalty to him and I think it it really just throughout the game you constantly get that sense i i think to some degree you do see him grow like he i feel like he does get a bit braver at certain points in time um yeah i feel like the it feels more emphasized at the start maybe yeah those first few doors that he's going into it feels like you're going so slowly yeah. and like he's he's absolutely terrified like you say and I don't know, you're right, it does feel like it speeds up, he's more confident later in the game, or maybe that's just me as the player reading into him yeah. without meaning to. All right, so, sometimes I would just skip the animation of opening a door, because I'm like, okay, like I don't see this, I've seen it a hundred times. I mean, you um, see that animation a lot. Yeah, 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 just like putting the key in and, and opening it, which is, is, is neat. But um, but yeah, I, I think that's definitely something that throughout the game you see, and um, I... I really appreciate that Nintendo make this a survival horror game for Luigi, but also to some degree there are elements of the survival nature of survival horror for the player because I found myself in a lot of situations being like, oh shit, I'm on really low health um, and I need to find a heart somewhere because at the moment i'm going to be done uh if if i'm not able to um kind of find something and get myself out of the situation the saving system is pretty um you know it it works quite easily like usually there's a toad who you can find who you can save with sometimes they're not available like certain missions like during the when the power outage happens it's you you're not allowed to save and stuff like that but Mm. most of the time it puts you back in a decent place if you do die but i did die quite a few times in the game not loads but maybe four or five just because you constantly take damage um and as we talked about before sometimes it's just randomness that oh, i'll slip on a banana or a goat will hit sometimes me sometimes just end up in a boss room with like half health yes exactly because... like sometimes it doesn't really necessarily set you up for success when it comes to that stuff it doesn't provide you with yeah. the hearts that you need I, I returned a lot to the first boss room like the baby's room mm. um and in that playroom, like there's a drawer that always has a fifty point heart. Oh, I see. I okay, returning there and then bet- running between there and Toad at the start, you can just save, heal, save, heal, and then move on to the next thing. I did that quite a lot when right. I was quite low on health. Just and that was made easier by the fact that the mansion isn't crazy big, and you can always quickly go make a quick dash to there and back. Mm-hmm. Um, we have one more email about sort of Luigi's and him being scared and one other effect that um, was spotted that we've not talked about yet. Shall okay. I get to that? Yeah, sure. So Masterclaw or Justin C wrote, actually wrote a whole review back in 2016 for Luigi's Mansion before the re-release even was a thing. Um, and I just picked out this uh, this part from that review he wrote. 
Um, while the core gameplay is pretty simple and straightforward and in any other game might seem dull, Luigi's Mansion puts those extra special Nintendo touches on to create a charming and memorable experience. You know that extra large A button in the center of the controller, right, controller's right handle? Its only function is to make Luigi call out for his missing sibling. As Luigi's health depletes, his bellows become increasingly shaky and desperate. This serves absolutely zero purpose, but is so amusing that the urge to press the button intermittently or constantly is an inexorable yeah that's i didn't notice that but that's such a cool thing i i did notice this yeah there was one point i was on like 20 health and i because uh, i think it's the same but i think it's the x button yeah I think, maybe to open drawers and i just sort of used one pressed x back then too standing too far from the drawers trying to inspect and it was just like this I don't, I, like a, I can't even do the impression of Luigi. But yeah, it was just like this Mario. crazy. <laughs> it was like crazy wobbly uh-huh. and like low voice, and Luigi's like slumped over his front, like lost all faith in the world. And it, oh, it's 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 really well done. I think it's it's a it's a very he's such a well fully fleshed character in this game. And as you say, from a character that was just known for jumping a bit higher with a wobbly jump to like this full on scaredy cat i guess um it's just really well done yeah absolutely and and there are so many little touches in the game as well and you talked about like opening drawers and stuff i love how tangible the world is how you can interact with pretty much any piece of furniture and it will do something like whether it be like a tablecloth that you can vacuum off or like a bookshelf that you can shake there is always something to interact with in the environment and it will sometimes give you money sometimes it will find a secret like gem that gives you loads of cash Um, and oftentimes a lot of the booze like the hidden booze will be within the furniture so you have to like run around the room and you have the radar obviously which is another thing i wanted to, to know because it seems like the 3ds version really takes quality of life to heart and it really makes it so much more playable i don't know if this boo radar existed in the original game because it is such an easy like well implemented feature that meant that any time i had cleared out a room i always stayed in there and used the boo radar to find the boo and to kind of chase it around and to, and to catch it and add it to the collection um just because like as i was there i was like i might as well do this it's kind of fun and to get the booze and um they they behave very differently to ghosts because they are trying to constantly run away from you instead of towards you and trying to capture them is a little bit different because you don't have a lock on them like you kind of have to move luigi like shuffling around to like keep your vacuum in that space and then sometimes they'll escape and go to a separate room and you have to like chase them through to the other room and stuff like that yeah some of the some of the later boos once they're up to sort of three i think one even has like 400 i think three 300 is the max 300 the max and it's like well, let's just, like I was just going between rooms like yeah. ten times, just trying to. There is a bit of a tediousness to it for sure. It kind of reminds me of the the um, is it Gamma Metroid fights in Samus Returns, where they go from room to room and you have to follow them for like three different rooms. Oh, yeah, um, I remember now. Which yeah, yeah. kind of sucks. But um, and there are a couple of points in the game where there are two points i believe where there are thresholds on the number of booze you need to continue yes and i know you didn't reach this no well well, the first the first one is like direct because you've just got your first boo and it's like okay 
go find more booze and so you have to go find five booze i think it oh, is that, in that case i think there's like three thresholds oh really anyway, okay there's that initial one and then there's two later and both times later i was like two booze short and i was right. a bit like Ugh, right whatever i'm like i'm glad i'm not more than two booze short like that would be very frustrating yeah um, and, and i think it's a little misleading because it says that you have to collect 50 booze and i was like geez are there even that many rooms in the mansion but it turns out that <laughs> it's kind of cheating because like 20 of those booze are in a boss fight uh, uh, um, yeah boo Bolossus, what a name um so <laughs> actually there's only around 30 that you need to actually collect in the yeah. mansion um, and i finished the game with 47 so i basically got them all like i only was, was missing three um and i just found out because i I was going to reopen my game file and like go through and finish it you can't go back to the mansion after you finish the game and uh, yeah that sucks because you get that final price rating yes, i guess yeah um i got an f yeah so did i yeah yeah and i was like i felt weird. like i got so much money and yeah yet, no clearly not <laughs> i feel like there were, there were like maybe three rooms in the whole game that i didn't explore yeah and... but maybe it is one of those things that like you really have to take advantage of like the golden mice and and bats and stuff like uh, that, that makes or sense, maybe you right? have to grind yeah. out or or potentially like look in every single drawer i wasn't looking at every single drawer you know stuff like that to yeah, find yeah. as much bonus hidden treasure as possible um yeah i thought i had a lot but no clearly that that was just kind of the intended like casual path through the that we did and didn't really end up with a good mansion by the end but um that's okay but yeah it's 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 like the ending of a game like that when it's that minimalistic isn't really a thing i really care about um if it was something more major then maybe i would have gone for it shall we move on to what i think we might agree is the best part of the game uh okay if you want to that is the portrait ghost yeah um shall we kick off with kevin's email and then have a discussion sure yeah let's, we can do that sure so kevin s wrote in and, and kevin sort of described them as bosses i'd say that they're sort of half bosses or the, mini bosses. i would say yeah they're all kind of mini boss-esque yeah. a lot of them are not necessarily difficult they're more about figuring out what the trick is and then you know just executing on it so kevin says Luigi's Mansion was actually my very first GameCube game I ever got. I wanted the GameCube for Mario Sunshine, but my mum ended up picking this up as well. Shoutouts to my mum for being the greatest. This game, to my nine-year-old self, felt like a genuine horror game. The ambience and tone with the darkness, lightning, cracking, and soft sounds all make for a brilliant atmosphere that I feel holds up even to this day. There are two specific parts of the game that make it very special to me. First, the bosses. This is what I missed from Luigi's Mansion 2. There only seemed to be generic ghosts at least from what i played but in the first game there were so many bosses with charming unique personalities the memories are still so vivid even after not having played played the game in over a decade my other favorite part of the game is the secrets there are an incredible amount of secrets in the game from the optional boo ghosts to everything with the currency system that gets you an awful mansion to a legendary mansion mansion at the end of the game specifically the plant watering and all the hidden treasure to the piano with the old school mario theme and another secret area that completely breaks the game if you haven't seen it i recommend looking up it's this doorway in some random part of the mansion that leads out to space you go out this magical staircase and it serves no real purpose but it just resonated so much for me as a kid uh, because it had that moment of wow i never would have expected that that this uh, place feels so unbelievable and awe-inspiring i'm looking forward to the third game on the switch tremendously yeah um a lot of stuff in there i think that 
when it comes to a lot of the optional stuff with like he talked about um, watering plants and stuff i remember there was one part of the game like with the doghouse outside where you're watering something um maybe there's lots more of that stuff that we just completely missed yeah, and so maybe. that's where you get a lot of the treasure from like a um, lot of the kind of you know secret stuff in there but yeah the portrait ghost the one that he brings up is probably the most memorable one is the piano ghost who is melody yeah she is playing the mario theme on the piano and the thing i love about that room is you go into it and you press on one of the instruments and it starts playing and i like i was like oh that's so cool i'm gonna put down a note being like oh yeah i walked into this room there was a saxophone playing the mario theme and then i like start walking around again and i'm like oh wait all these instruments like start coming in individually with their individual parts for the the theme and then you go over and she's there playing it on the piano it's like this full medley almost that's going on um and then she like asks you uh, a trivia question she's like what theme what game did this um this theme come from and i was like i know that that's mario 3 um and i got it right which i was very proud of um but yeah stuff like that is just very unique and different and the thing that strikes me about the portrait ghosts is they are so non-nintendo like you look at the way that they are rendered yeah the the dead eyes the way they're rendered like the character design on those guys is not nintendo in its kind of just aesthetic it it looks very different and off kilter and very weird like down to even the major boss fights like the baby like the first boss fight with a giant baby and does not haunting it is haunting yeah and it does not look like something nintendo would make um which is it the thing i compare it to is the npcs in new donk city in mario odyssey it's like this thing that shouldn't really belong in a mario game um and yet kind of works with the thing that the game is going for like you you couldn't imagine new donk city any other way now that we've seen it and i feel like Mm. the portrait goes to the same where they are so different from what you would expect um and i think luigi's mansion 2 goes back to more traditional nintendo style enemies and bosses overall like as a as a whole whereas this game was quite different um it's interesting because uh the youtuber arlo he loves the original luigi's mansion is not as big a fan of the second one and he talks about he's done a video on it where he talks about like how different luigi's mansion looks um and the the original game looks very different i think to the 3d remake the 3ds remake looks much more similar to dark moon in terms of its art design whereas you look yeah. at the original luigi's mansion and its art design is actually very different and very weird and not super in keeping with traditional like mario aesthetics um mm. One cool thing about the uh, portrait ghost, which I hadn't realized till I read some stuff online after I beat the game, um, there are a number of actual actual portraits in the mansion, um, and these portraits are the I don't know if these were added for the 3DS version, but they are portraits of the portrait ghosts before they died. Oh wow! Like, and they there's like a bunch of them that all match up, and it's just that extra level of weird and horror and i mean it's 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 difficult to go away from the kind of um haunted mansion disney trope that i guess disney built up back in i don't know 70s 80s Mm. um and that feels very inspired from that it's that like kind of dark actually while it's kiddie there is still like this darkness and like that the they're not running away from the idea of death no. in a way that you th- you would think normally a kid's game would. It kind of would avoid the subject. It's just saying, 
no they're ghosts they died like, yeah these are their portraits right. of when they were alive yeah. now you have to face them as when they're ghosts yeah. and, and that's that no this is very cool it's bold it is yeah um yeah i didn't know that that's that's a very interesting thing um the the other thing that kevin mentions the room with like the space and stuff yeah. um i think that's actually a necessary part of the game unless i'm wrong it certainly is in this version i i i thought it was in the first version as well but yeah as you say like it's one of i think that's how you get the star right so the there are five, five mario, mario items. items in the game yeah. that you have to that's collect one of the best bits actually those yeah the room that kevin's talking about but also just collecting the five mario items yeah. i actually didn't have to struggle for any of them i just naturally no they, they they are generally natural one of them's a bit just like it's just in a box outside in the courtyard at the back like it's just you have to press on the like bird hut or whatever it is and it just falls out um but most of them you get from rooms where you defeat booze or bosses in or not por- or portrait ghosts or like just regular enemies in um and then that one is very interesting because you have to get a direct hit on the moon in order for it to yeah, appear that's cool and yeah. i had such a hard time doing this i don't know about you but i was just like God, my aim <laughs> is like, like just fourth off. or fifth time I right because it's so yeah. it's like it's very weird angle you have to get it to go yeah. at and just lining it up can be a little bit awkward <laughs> i'm just sitting there for literally like 15 minutes just trying to hit this fucking. Minutes. yeah it was bad i was really i was like i had to look up online it's like is this what i'm supposed to do because i wasn't sure um and like sure enough i just had to hit it direct shot on the moon Jeez. but i just kept failing it again and again and i was like god i'm an idiot um so yeah so th- that stuff is neat and the idea that you go to the fortune teller and then she like tells you all this stuff about it um and kind of has a lot of references in there and, and then finally when you show her all the items then you can um finish her off and she i think she gives you a key that is needed to uh, progress so I guess it is a necessary part of the game, um, which is one of those moments where it's not necessarily about like key to the next door. It's about figuring out, oh, I need to get all these Mario items so that I can get the next piece that will lead me to the next part of the mansion. Um, right. So, right. yeah, definitely, definitely an interesting part of the game there. We haven't really talked much about Egad. Um, Egad's an interesting character who I think has become part of the mario canon because he was in sunshine as well because he designed flood he's not in yes. sunshine is he but like he's referenced there um, um yeah, i think you see him very briefly right it's not it's not nothing like the amount you see him in luigi's mansion obviously yeah um so egad like he obviously designs the vacuum cleaner and he's like very much pushing luigi to to go into the mansion and at the end of each like section he kind of like warps you back to his area and he has the machine where he turns the ghosts into portraits so that you can then mm. go look at in the gallery i don't know if you went to the gallery too much to kind of look at that stuff yeah i did a little bit um it's quite a big area yeah that whole gallery and and i really enjoyed the animation of the machine and the the theme that would play when they're transforming and then like they reverse it at the end with mario yeah right for mario that's that's cool um but but egad's cool and one of the things that was i thought was interesting is i don't know if this was in the original game but obviously they added this co-op thing for 3ds yeah and like guiji so guiji is he's come from the future um and you get a message from egad from the future and he 
he's straight up doc brown from back to the future he's like luigi my boy and i'm like this is literally you're literally just taking this from back to the future the idea is that he's being sent oh, luigi course, back in yeah. time like clearly they're riffing on that so i just i thought i wonder if that is in the original game but then i was like well this guiji thing wasn't in the original game so they must have added it now yeah, in the localization added, yeah. so i just thought that was a neat nod to back to the future um mm. but but yeah i just found that kind of funny that that was in there yeah Egad doesn't really do too much like he's obviously constantly on the phone to you or through the game boy horror um which is another one of those weird things that i kept forgetting about in the game is the game boy horror and like the the necessity to scan it for portrait ghosts to kind of figure out their weakness um, or like give you a bit of a hint mm. which I, th- I thought was a neat thing because sometimes you do go into one of those fights and you're like what am I actually supposed to do here it's like it's not I think that is a new thing isn't it no I think the Game Boy Horror existed in the game before um, but but definitely the I don't know maybe some of the stuff about it is, is changed but like the heart like seeing the heart of the ghost and then figuring out like what you need to do to get them is like the butler right because he talks about fire and hating fire uh, and you have mm. to get him into that room by like lighting oh, his torches took me a few times I had to I'd, I'd, like the animation wouldn't work for some reason okay. I was doing something wrong and he had, I had to let him come a few times all the way down the oh man the really okay um, that's cool though yeah yeah and and definitely that game boy horror stuff was helpful in situations where like there was one where you fall down into this treasure room and there's like gold everywhere and it's like okay i fell down in here it's after you do the um you go to the roof and then you kind of go down one of the chimneys and i'm like i don't know how i get out of here but i was like oh wait a second i'm gonna use this game boy thingy on the mirror and like using it on the mirror made me walk Uh, through the mirror back to where i was supposed to be but there's other moments like the dog house outside and clearly there's something there because in his um entrance to the kennel there's like shining stuff on the floor and i'm like i'm watering it with the water power up i'm (laughs) sucking on it i'm like trying everything nothing is happening i'm like what the fuck am i supposed to do and i look it up online it's like oh point the game boy horror at it i'm like well no that's not very clear i don't know that was one of those moments where i was like i I mean, I don't know why I would point the Game Boy Horror at this dog's kennel, but sure, I guess that's the thing I have to do. Um, so, yeah, to some degree, some of that stuff is, is not as clear as it, as it can be. Yeah, um, I I was kind of... Because that's fairly early on in the it game. It is, like yeah. Third, maybe. And I was yeah. still using the Game Boy Horror quite a lot at that point, so I just kind of thought, all right, let's look at it from this okay, perspective. Okay, but, it, but I definitely started using it less throughout the game. Um while we're on like portrait ghosts mm-hmm. and things, one of my favorite portrait ghosts, and I thought this looked incredible in the 3D, was the the guy who's playing snooker on the like snooker oh, table, yeah, the yeah. like, pool table. I just thought some of that stuff and like the old granny where you have to fling something at her, like her. Oh, the the balls that she's knitting. Yeah, the balls. Uh, yeah, those the pool balls and the balls of um the yarn wool mm-hmm. yarn look look really. Yeah, good there's lots creepy. of that stuff in this game of like sucking up a round object and firing it. Like that yeah, is that's a like a mechanic that's used multiple times in boss fights and in like portrait ghost fights. Um, yeah, and that I think some of that stuff is a bit tricky because of the mm. like angling like the angling yeah. of where it should shoot at which i think is a particular problem in the final boss fight but we'll we'll get to that um but yeah that's that i i think i like the idea of it but i think the controls hinder it to some degree um just make it a little bit more tricky to to pull off mm. um one of my favorite portrait ghosts is the guy who's working out 
who's like doing push-ups and everything um i just like it because the way that you get him is by knocking the bag into him like knocking the punching bag into his uh, body ah, yeah, um yeah, yeah. And i was like oh that's cool like using the environment against him in a really neat way um yeah that's one of my my favorites yeah, and then seeing like working out how the heart reveals itself and then sucking the heart and that's how you get rid of them like yeah it's kind of shocking when you step back and think like that's such a big part of luigi's mansion one and then they're all gone in dark moon it's like it's a yeah it feels like maybe a strange decision that took a lot of the the soul out of what this game was trying to go for definitely because they're also unique you know like from the giant fat guy who is eating all his food um you know that that one in particular took me a little while to figure out because it's around the time where you get the fire power up and so you're trying to figure out like should i use that in conjunction with something else or or what am i supposed to do but you're supposed to like suck up all of the ghosts who are serving him food so that he can't get food anymore then he gets annoyed and his heart appears yeah yeah, well well then he starts firing fire at you and you're like, what the fuck am I like? And I'm just running around like as he's just like firing these fireballs yeah. at me. And I'm like, Jesus, what am I supposed to do here? So that and I, I thought, like, do I need the water power up here to like get past that? Um, but but no, I can't remember actually what what you do after that point to get him. But no, it wasn't it wasn't either. to do with with those those power ups. Um, which maybe we can talk about those a little bit because I thought they were a really neat addition that really varied up some of the the puzzle mechanics. You know, having the ability to you know freeze something like there's the ghost who is in the bathtub and you're you like use the or it's either fire or ice on it to make it like hot or cold to get them out uh, or to get them revealed. Um, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So so that stuff I I liked and they're definitely like fights where you utilized it where it wasn't great i think the giant bulosis fight that we've mentioned where you have to use the ice to freeze the booze to suck them up um again the controls were the sticking point for me there where it's like very tricky to get them to work properly yeah um and especially the final the very final ghost in that fight just does not want to get close to you is like i was i got completely lucky with that because i just randomly somehow iced him and it didn't look like i had at all but i did and just finally finished it but um but yeah that one was a little bit yeah they they purposely made that last ghost just ridiculously he's a annoying dick. too. He's a massive dick. Oh, that is was really annoying. Um, um Shall we move on to some of the other enemies in yeah, the Yeah, yeah. So like general ghosts overall are like your standard purple one or your standard white one. There are, there are a lot of different varieties. Um like more than Dark Moon again. Like the variety in this game separate to all the portrait ghosts we've just been describing feel like there's a good three four more standard ghosts versus i think there's like three or four total in dark moon i don't know there, there might be there might be more in dark moon but i think the way that it's paced out in this game is a lot better you know just just yeah, um definitely. kind of having them all in a short space of time like you're constantly yeah. introduced to new things and i think that's what keeps it up and that pacing's probably helped by the portrait ghosts. definitely yeah so you have those which are like more puzzly whereas the other ones are more like skill not skill based but to some degree yes like they are more just raw 
flash them suck them flash them suck them um kind of nonsense where you're stuck in a room and you're like it's there's some really tricky rooms right where they do some neat yeah. things like the mirror room where you can't see them but you have to use the mirror to That's get them cool. yeah i like and that. i that one was tricky because it's inverted so like the what you're seeing in the mirror is not di- because the mirror is a different like perspective it's you're like in the opposite right. direction of where they come in the mirror um that was hard um yeah uh there's the artist uh near the end of the game where yeah he's got like a series of paintings and it's essentially just a right that's like the big final challenge of ghosts before the end it's a big old boss rush kind of thing yeah just it's like three of each type of ghost in the mansion um yeah that's kind of hard yeah especially when you have the dk banana ghosts who like just chuck them all over the place and you're like oh god i need to get these guys they're just in my way (laughs) yeah bit of a nightmare um uh, and yeah like some of them are some of them more annoying than others are the ones that grab onto you and will oh god they're let go um there are like your standard ones which are generally quite easy the purple ones which have like a punch to them that that kind of goes yeah um, through ice purple ones as well ice blue ones i guess and you have to ice them and then yeah yeah they do and they do vary that up as well as like having the ones that are affected by the specific um element that you're wielding like whether it be ice or whether it be fire um and and yeah i think it's interesting because all of those are governed by using the torch and the vacuum um, and i think the difference there between the bosses which i noticed is you never use the torch in the boss fights the big boss fights the torch is yeah. not something that you need which i found weird to some degree whether the torch had been such a constant throughout the game where like it is you get them into a staggered state and then you get them with the vacuum whereas every boss fight it's nothing like that at all like the the giant baby all you need to do is like whack him with the um the bouncy ball and then right. you just like, again suck sucking him. up something firing yeah it. like i think all four boss fights are Ma- like that. yeah they are right because the second yeah. one is the graveyard like weird like purple guy who you right. suck up the like evil dark versions into a giant yeah. ball and yeah. shoot that the boo is different because the boo you ice them and then suck them up um but yeah the final bowser fight is or king boo we should say you are sucking up giant spike balls and firing them so you're right yeah that mechanic and i think that's maybe why i don't like the boss fights in this game that much is because so much of them rely on that finicky aiming with the yeah i mean it's it's nice that they all the boss fights are done in a big boss room right a big boss yeah yeah, yeah. it's like separated because um, when you get to the baby room like it's in a tiny crib and then it like blows right. up into this giant thing that's which is cool yeah but i i do agree to some extent that it's not the it's a good example where the controls just aren't quite slick enough for what the game's asking you to do it's just quite yeah uh clunky yeah it's it just like it's one of those parts where especially with bowser and he has so many moves that do so much damage to you um that like getting the right timing on it so that you are like okay i've got it and then i've aimed right at the exact angle as he's sucking it up so it goes inside like it's tricky to get that um especially with the fire which like starts setting them off early and yeah and and i thought also the suction on those ones in particular was the spiked balls was really hard to nail down um you had to be really close to them yeah and if you just got an inch off the spike ball would just roll through you right and do and damage you. yeah it's like yeah yeah, yeah. nope i didn't want that to happen i wanted to pick it up and exactly. throw it back and yeah, yeah. 
Um, but yeah, I think the boss designs generally are pretty pretty nice. I think the idea that there's this the cool ideas, all of them, Bowser body with King Boo in it at the end is awesome. And right, and, and again, saying you, off mic. Yeah, go on. You, you're going to say that. So I was just going to say that like Bowser's head flying off. I mean, obviously it's a robot. It's a mechanical a Bowser. Yeah, yeah, mechanical Bowser, but. For Nintendo to take one of their biggest characters in Bowser and then just have headless versions of him in a game is quite a step. Right. That you just, it's kind of shocking. Yeah. And, and <laughs> in I, a way. I haven't seen The Exorcist, but I know that like one of the things in that movie is like a head like twisting around. Um, and I feel like that when Bowser gets into his final kind of stage, like his head goes on backwards and oh, like, yeah, it feels it like that yeah. is maybe a, a subtle oh, nod to, oh. to that stuff, which is a little bit creepy um yeah that's definitely something that i think they are kind of cribbing from to some degree um so mm. so yeah there's there's really some some neat stuff when it comes to the design there and i, I think do- definitely the giant boo one is probably the weakest from a design perspective it's just like yeah oh, you know turn it into small boos and then just ice them and, and suck them up it's it's the kind of design that i'm not like one of my least favorite bosses in the wind waker is the giant fucking guy with the lantern who turns into uh, with a big ghost with all the mini yeah ghosts. he turns into tiny yeah. ones you have to kill the tiny ones it's probably my yeah. least favorite boss mechanic and nintendo yeah. like to do it a lot they do it in quite a few of their boss fights the um link to the past one where you have to pull off the eye this is the giant eyeball one um you know we have to right. pull those off and i think they repeat my, it. my least favorite boss mechanic and i was thinking this playing horizon actually is when bosses minions that just spawn during boss fights yeah like, like ads lots of ads um, oh god i hate that and I was glad that Luigi's Mansion doesn't actually have that. When you're no. fighting a boss, you're fighting a boss. It's not they're not they just flood the stage with minions. Right. It's just oh, I hate that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just make give give you a bit of a focus uh, instead, right. um, which is is good. Um, yeah, I I think that stuff is is overall cool. Like, I, there's not many bosses, um, and it's four in the whole game, right? But but again, yeah. like I mean, Kevin even mentioned that he thinks the bosses like portrait ghosts are bosses in their own right and if you think of it that mm. way then like yeah there's I loads agree, actually yeah. and um and a lot of them are very very cool and just really well thought out and uh and yeah just just well done um yeah so yeah I so in terms of other things in the game was there anything else that you wanted to to talk about stuff that you found was really cool any like neat moments and, and things like that uh just the it, I love that the game always feels rooted in the Mushroom Kingdom and it, it, stuff like Melody with the the Nintendo music in there. There's always just that level of Nintendo polish and charm that grounds you back in that. Remember, you're in the Mushroom Kingdom, even though we are on this sort of horror trip together. And I love that throughout the game. I feel like the game never lost that. And little bit of Mario that you spot before the final act and then essentially fighting Bowser at the end, I think are both really nice Nintendo nods that this game totally didn't have to have, but it decided was a fun idea. Yeah, definitely. It's It, it does feel rooted in, in that universe still um and and yet still feels very different like it feels like its own thing and i'm so glad that they continued with it as an idea and as a series because there's so much that you can do with it you know like it feels like nintendo had it as almost a tech demo-y thing um but it is very 
fleshed out in a lot of other areas mm. like it is short and it is condensed but i think that they they have so much care and, and charm put into the game with with so many like little elements and i think as i mentioned just being able to interact with all the different parts and and i i really like chasing the booze down you know like and it was one of those things that i think this game in particular made a bit more easy um but like that stuff was was fun uh, I, I like doing it and and there's lots of like little things that i thought were just neat puzzles like there's this one room you go into and you have you like get to kind of an end point you're like i don't know where i'm supposed to go what i'm supposed to do there's a mirror on the wall and the mirror shows you that there's a switch on the other side of the wall so you have to use the mirror to go to the other side of the wall and hit a switch that you can't see because the perspective of the game is directly on so you're Mm, never going to see that side um which i just thought was very clever and and a way to use perspective in this game that is so has such a fixed perspective um and and yeah it does that multiple times like with the with the mirror room and, and and things like that it just it makes it very very um kind of does with limitations what you are supposed to do which is use those limitations to create interesting scenarios um and yeah yeah, i think that that works well um i still don't really understand the point of the money aside from getting the the mansion at the end because you really i I kept expecting to spend money on something you know like i'm collecting all this money uh, i think it's a resident evil reference i think resident Hmm. evil 2 like you collect money throughout the game and it's a similar idea of getting a house or something oh okay reference um to do with that it's like a horror game thing i think yeah maybe but like i don't know it it feels like you're collecting all this money and it feels really good i love this the feeling of sucking in all the dollars and the coins and everything sounds great like they have really good you know typical nintendo has great sound design when it comes like clattering coins and like Air, like dollars floating through the air um and it's great like it's such satisfaction when you f- you open up a chest of drawers and it's like bursting out with cash um but then you don't really do anything with it like it just like it, it, it's almost more of a high score thing than anything else like it end of the level it's like this is how much money you collected in this area um and and it kind of leaves it like that which to some it's weird because like the game does split itself up into sections like areas but the mansion is always fully explorable when you're not fully explorable but you can go back well, to places you've been unlock, to right, right. um so it's it is it still maintains that sense the, that cohesion and the, the thing i really like about the mansion is because it is so condensed it's so easy to get around to where you need to and i think one of the weaknesses is that it forces you to go through places a bit too many times like the courtyard is my biggest bane which yeah. in order that to that, that was that lock when neither of us ever got no. that was essentially a short i don't know if like... that even if does that exist is there a key for that I door in the game because there is this shortcut <laughs> area which like would allow you to bypass going through the courtyard to get to the next floor but every mm. time that you have to get to the second floor in order to go to that specific part you have to go through the courtyard through a back door then upstairs then around the corner around up other stairs and there's this one door where if you got the key for it you could just unlock it and just bypass that entire stuff um which i thought was going to happen closer to the end of the game so that like near the end if i'm going back searching for booze i don't have to worry about you know all that stuff that's usually what nintendo do in their games with like you know even in skyward sword with those overworld areas before dungeons they'd have shortcuts where you'd roll down the log and you can then get up to that area like that's nintendo's game design generally is built around okay do this thing then we'll give you a shortcut to make it easier to get back to it um and i never got the key for it so i I couldn't um and i think 
I don't know why that was, um, but it happened. Um, yeah, any any other moments that stuck out for you? I definitely think when the power goes out, that's a bit of a panic. It's like, oh, f- like I'm just being chased by ghosts everywhere. I just need yeah. to get there and get this sorted because I don't like this feeling of... Yeah. Because there is a certain... It's a good horror, ge- horror game sort of feeling. Is, Not that yeah. I've ever played a horror game, yeah, yeah, but yeah. like it's th- what it's trying to evoke and that's that's cool yeah it, it does give you that sense of the chase of like running away from something that's too overwhelming for you to deal with um because like a lot of the rooms once you've cleared them out the lights turn on and you feel safe like that is the mechanic of this game is like lights are on okay that's the signal there's no ghosts left that it's safe to, yeah. to stay there and then all of a sudden the power goes out there's no lights anywhere and you're like oh fuck what do i do um so yeah, I wouldn't say that's like I mean, a, a favorite moment of mine because I didn't enjoy playing it as much. Um, but I think that yeah. the effect was conveyed there. Like they wanted to, to convey that tension and they do it quite well. I mean, I knew where the power room was, but and because I'd seen it earlier in the yes, game, but yeah. had I been playing when I was nine years old and I hadn't realized that Oh, I would like have quit the game room, at that point if I was that I had age. to go to, yeah. yeah, I mean, I would have been crapping myself. Like it's, it would have been pretty scary. Definitely. Uh, and there's yeah as you say no safe haven at that point in the game you just have to get from it and you can't even save with toads it's like ah what do i do um oh god really yeah yeah yeah, because i tried to save with one of the toads because i hadn't saved in a while and i was like oh now i'm stuck in this section i don't want to do this section again if i accidentally die um so so yeah i was a bit worried about that but but yeah yeah um cool uh any any other things that we have to say about the game? Like any gripes with it? Any things that you, you just felt? the the so much? We, I think we covered the gripes. It's mainly just the controls and that verticality. Yeah, and some of the structural stuff in terms of backtracking can be yeah. Like with the booze for you in particular. For me, it was fine because I was doing them as I went along. But yeah, yeah, I, I don't like the gatekeeping with that sort of stuff. If it's optional, it's optional. And we were discussing this before, but I tend to agree with you. I think this game does a really good job of making it as easy as possible to collect that stuff along the way. Like you can get it as yeah. you go. You don't have to go out of your way to find the booze they will appear once you've cleared a room out so like every time i clear out a room the lights are on okay i'm looking at my radar where is that motherfucking boo i'm getting that asshole you know um so so yeah i think it does as good a job with that mechanic as you can do really in a game which i appreciate um and i just think there's some things that like the portrait ghost that didn't come back in dark moon that i and the more open world nature of the mansion that would be welcome yeah. inclusions in Luigi's Mansion 3, which is later this year. Right. I, I do hope they go back to a singular kind of thing. Because, um, yeah, it seemed much cooler to me. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and it just gives you... It gives you a sense of freedom where Dark Moon was so linear in a way that and i and the the mission structure while i kind of liked it at the start but if you die at the end of a mission you have to start the entire mission again like that was just weird pacing that this game is much better for like the pacing's just better generally yeah is this us coming to the conclusion that we like this game more than dark moon i don't in know a way, yeah in a way i do in a way i honestly do um i think control wise dark moon's got a lot more going for it yeah but if you could just iron this game's got more charm i think it's better paced um and for its short length has 
an incredible variety yeah. in a way that Dark Moon felt quite repetitive, especially the range of ghosts by the end of that game. So I'm, you know what? Yeah, I prefer this game, I think. Well, yeah. I'll go I, for it. I think I'm, I'm pretty close to, to saying the same. Um, I think in terms of like puzzle design and stuff like that, I think there's some really good stuff in Dark Moon that I enjoyed quite a bit. But um, but yeah, like there's so much character in this game. Like Even to the fake doors, which when Luigi opens one, it just flattens yeah, him on the I, wall. Even by the end of that game, I'd sometimes slip up and be like, oh yeah, it's just, oh, right, okay. Right, I've just taken damage. Yeah. Fine, great. But that's also on one game. of those things that kind of doesn't have the surprise that it would have on the GameCube version because you've got a map on the bottom screen the whole time and the map tells you right, where the right. real doors are. Um, yeah. Which, there's a, there was another game recently that did something like that that, um, that I know people were a bit annoyed about. That it's like, well, it takes away the whole surprise, you know, if you know where things are. Um, but, but yeah, it's another one of those like kind of quality of life things that i i appreciate and the other thing i really like about the map is just it telling you the names of the rooms so that you can yeah. like go through and be like okay wh- where was the bathroom again like which floor was it on where was it and so just quickly tapping them um right it was because there was certain moments yeah there were certain moments you needed there was a specific i can't remember what it was now but it's I like i th- oh to do with clothing and i was like oh that will be in the there's like a a wardrobe room yes like, yeah, um, yeah yeah and then you have to go back but that's actually at the point where there's the, the power cut and i went there before fixing the power cut stupidly right okay um but yeah yeah and, cool. and and that helps so much more once you've opened up most of the mansion because at that point there are so many rooms that it is pretty tricky to keep track of exactly where they all are um yeah. so just having a quick reminder there to be like oh right this room's here i can just go there directly um shall i read our final email sure yeah um, with just some overall thoughts on the game mm-hmm. so this is from flap jackal who has a bit of player two syndrome it seems uh louise mansion is the first game i owned on gamecube i finally got my con my own console at that point so i wouldn't have to share with my older brother since he already had sunshine i went with the other mario brother after having been player two for so long while i've never been good with scary things in any degree i loved the game it has the same weird mario comedy i'd come to expect due to sunshine and while there are some times i would get lost in that big house the in-game guide character was helpful enough having luigi get his story was a great idea and the game was great along with it yeah um, i think that sums it up pretty nicely it's i yeah. does does um egad give you help through the game boy horror it's not egad i believe i believe he's referring fat jackal's referring to the fortune teller who oh, you can go right, to okay. and then she will say oh you need to do x or y oh, okay yeah yeah, yeah yeah interesting that's yeah um yeah i mean i feel like the player too because you always played as mario in every game <laughs> and i always was luigi probably if luigi was an option um which is interesting, but I never really this gravitated towards the, Luigi's Mansion at the time. The, the game for all player twos. It is, yeah, it really is. And and yeah, I, I get why the reception to it at the time was kind of muted and people were like, oh, this isn't Mario, I want Mario. I mean, it is far, far from a 3D platform. Yes, no, it's, it's absolutely not a 3D platform. That's not right. what this game is in, in any sense. It is, it's far more a in a lot of ways a point and click adventure game you know yeah like it, it has a lot of those sensibilities to it um whilst also being this kind of you know much lighter take on the horror genre um and, and i think in with with time and perspective i i really appreciate luigi's mansion so much more these days than you know i think people did back when it came out um you know times have changed a lot and i think well, that the brevity of it was something that really 
made it work for me. So we finally did it, MBZ. Yeah, we beat we beat a horror game. We did. Wow, look at that. I'm proud of myself. We're we're real men now. <laughs> look at us. Oh go. yeah. Resident Evil Four up next, no. right? Mm-mm, right. No. <laughs> Not I, well, I don't know like the, the way people talk about resident evil 4 like it's one of the best games ever made like the gamecube classic i have watched like a good amount of resident evil 4 and it doesn't actually look that scary i don't know okay it feels like a game that well, i could potentially play i could potentially play i'm i'm gonna psych myself up to play through the last of us on the easy sure. later this year uh-huh. that's my horror project no yeah say. no that's that's fine that's um it's a good way so, to do it i'll stick to that i'm not cool. doing any resident even resident evil for now no 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 uh definitely n- not on my docket either but you know I, I think about it from time to time of like could i play through resident evil 4 maybe i don't know if i turn off the sound potentially but then, <laughs> <laughs> then what's, the <laughs> no, what's the point yeah 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 yeah. no very true great um yeah i not much else to say one of the things i have in my notes is um luigi's inner monologue because there are moments when you point the game boy horror at something and luigi it seems like luigi is the one commenting on it because it has like a little notation um so it feels like it is luigi like this is actual dialogue from luigi dialogue in his head and and one of the ones that i wrote down was this inspires me to paint so Luigi, uh, maybe one hmm. day he will star in his own um, artistic game where he can Luigi paint. paint. Luigi Paint, yeah, the sequel to Mario Luigi Paint. paint. Um, that's what I want. That's my. That should be my prediction for 2020. Luigi Paint coming to a Switch near you soon. That's a good. That's a good prediction. I think that's a good silly prediction. Luigi Paint. Um, I like that one. So, so yeah, um, fantastic. Well, I think that that wraps us up for our six backlog club, Luigi's Mansion. That was great. I really enjoy talking about that game. It's yeah, it's really it's cool. Um, and Thank you for voting for it, everyone. Yeah, no, good, definitely. Good pick. I had to pay thirty quid for it, so fuck yeah. you for making me do that. that but, but aside from that, <laughs> it was it was great. I really enjoyed it. Um, so excellent stuff. Uh, we'll probably have another backlog club in a few months. Uh, be nice to get back into doing this a bit more regularly. Uh, and I don't know, Bali. We've been chatting about whether like the RPG is ready to we come back we have had an rpg break yeah in we our, did um uh, backlog club so it, and i know that they are popular for this sort of format so uh, we we probably could and should go back to a few rpgs that we've not um played before yeah um so have a look out for that probably in the next few months or so um but yeah that's going to close out the show for today um we have a few things to mention and, and chat about let's uh talk about our patreon first of all bally yeah we just put out an episode of patreon last week um it was uh well, my brain's gone a tnl takes episode eight uh we talked all about uh theme parks yeah. and our experiences with them so if you want to support us on patreon for five dollars uh five dollar tier i should say you can have access to all our patreon episodes we're now up to about 16 episodes in total you can get for just five dollars so if you want to go for that would be much appreciated and thank you to our two ten dollar tier patrons they are of course my girlfriend caroline and atari alex and also thank you to our sponsorship level tier patron 
Daniel V. Thank you for all your support and to all our other patrons as well, of course. Mm-hmm. And you can find all that uh, stuff over at patreon.com slash this Nintendo Life. And we're actually going to give you a bit of a sneak peek at some yeah. of our Patreon stuff at the end of this show just uh, for people to have a listen to and be like, oh, if you like it, then you can go check it out. Um, I think we're going to put up the start, like, first few minutes or so from our most recent TNL Ranks episode that was all about towns, um, video game towns and places uh, that we we really liked um our top fives for those so uh, yeah. that'll stay tuned after the um credits after the music uh to hear a bit of that um at the end of the show which could be fun if you have not heard that before um cool uh what else do we need to talk about Bali before we go we've got to talk about our email address where can people send emails to like they did for this fantastic backlog club our email address is this nintendo life at gmail.com that is this nintendo life at gmail.com send us in your questions on any you know news topics or yeah we haven't had some in a while so need to fill that inbox up again with yeah, some new stuff that'd be great so yeah please send those in you can also pop those over to our discord um and you can get those links in the description of the show in the show notes um you can find us in various places uh we are available on twitter you can follow us at tnl podcast um, and that gives you up-to-date stuff on what's going on with patreon with what's going on with new episodes um has a link to our youtube channel and, and everything else um and you can also find me you can find me at lord nbz um yeah just tweeting about things here and there it's twitter Sometimes I'm active, sometimes I'm not. It's just sometimes, you know, you're working, you don't have access to Twitter because your work blocks it, and that's the thing. Oh, um, geez, that is... So, so yeah. 1984. No, I know. <laughs> um, Bali, where can people find you on the internet? I am at Ballyman91 on Twitter. That's B-A-L-L-Y-M-A-N-9-1. I mean, I've been tweeting all my unpopular Mario opinions. Oh, yes, um, for sure. Fun thing going on. Oh, it is. Yeah, my God. We do have some very unpopular Mario opinions. Oh, yeah. It's my favorite topic. Uh Um, There's unpopular Switch opinions. And I saw one person say that the the Joy Con grip feels better than a Pro Controller. Mm. And I was like, wow, that is a. (laughs) That's a take. That is an unpopular opinion. Here's here's my hot uh, Switch take the gamepad is better than the Switch. (laughs) No. There's just no way. No. In terms of what? I don't know. I just I just, I just like to say the gamepad's my favourite thing because I love the gamepad. The gamepad's great. It is great. I played, I played like 40 hours of Earthbound on I that. I know. It's, it's brilliant. I love it's it. Yeah. Um, cool. Uh, so yeah, send us all your unpopular opinions to our email address if you want to. Um, yes, you can find us in various places. We're on iTunes. We're on Stitcher. Um, people are asking about Google Podcasts again. I continue to say they're not available in our country. <laughs> Why? Oh, why are they not available in our country? What other podcasting apps are we available on, MBZ? I mean, anyone that you download, probably. We're we're on YouTube, we're on iTunes, and all other podcasting apps in between, as well as Stitcher. We're on Pocket Cast, which is now a fucking garbage fire of an app, which I'm... I've got Instacast. It's a good one. Bali, I'm so fucking pissed off. This is maybe the most frustrated with a thing. Like, Pocket Cast is my life. Like, a good podcasting (laughs) app is so important to me, it is unreal. Yeah. And they just pushed an update. It's like the air that you breathe. It is. And they push an update that nobody likes. I've been on the Pocket Cast subreddit, my friend, and people are (laughs) fucking... They are fucking furious with what they have done to change this Try try Instacast. I think you're the one who recommended me instacast i think i was and, and but I, now you're on now you've betrayed no. instacast well i think instacast was at one that's available on like ios i don't think it's on android right um, i think this was a good four years ago yeah it was ages ago instacast. yeah 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 
Which so, maybe yeah. I, I don't know if that's if it's on Android. I might just switch over because I am so I'm fuck I'm furious. Like, how can you take something that is like perfectly designed? Pocket Cast is maybe the best podcast app I've ever used. It is so like it understands people who listen to podcasts it knows what they want yeah. how they want to listen to them and then they just do push this update that just ruins it and makes it a fucking I think garbage I use instacast truck. more than all the other apps on my phone combined i um th- there are some fun stats that you can get in podcasting apps oh it, Jesus. it tells me the number of hours i've listened to podcasts since oh, i think 2017 and it's it's something like i don't know a third of my life um <laughs> So that's a thing. Um, I spend a third of my life uh, living, a third of it sleeping, and a third of it listening to podcasts. That's my, yeah. that's my life. That's how it goes. Damn straight. Um, but yeah. Anyway, that's my rant about pocket casts and the fucking people who make it having no idea what their user base wants. But hey, that's companies for you. YouTube gets worse with every iteration. So do most things. So what are you going to do? Um, anyway. Um, well, there's a nice positive note to leave you on. Yeah. Uh, hey, I enjoy talking about Luigi's Mansion. That's a great game. Um, people should check it out if you haven't. Mm. Um, and yeah, and we'll we'll be back a couple of weeks' time with some more video game chats and some more stuff to talk about and some more this Nintendo life. So thanks, everyone, for listening. We'll be back very soon. Enjoy this little bit of TNL takes. Yeah, enjoy. Uh, ranks. TNL ranks. There you go. All right. That's bye. the one. See you guys later. Bye-bye. number four is Alchemoth from Xenoblade Chronicles. Okay, yes. Um, so Xenoblade Chronicles I felt had to be on this list somewhere and I yes. sort of looked back at some of the towns and cities in that game and I was like it's got to be Alchemoth. That's the most memorable part I because my memory for that game now having played it quite a while ago is not the best. Like I do <laughs> I, I mean a lot of it comes back to me when I look at stuff. I think it's clouded because of the last 10 hours if you try to finish well, yeah, the final that, boss. That was that was tough and brutal and awful and yeah. but Alchemoth is like I think the best adjective for Alchemoth is ethereal. It's just so, mm. it's so spectacular. Like the the the, the water it sits over, and this all these almost like high elf like structures. And I almost feel like if if George Lucas had wanted the city of Theed on the Boo to be more more impressive and less maybe traditional italian european he would have gone for something like alchemoth like it's so mm. sort of it is very star wars it's so it's the, it's the most star wars location i can think of in xenoblade chronicles and sure. there's a lot of politics and power plays that go on yeah. when you're in in that in that um city and it's kind of like a it's almost like the first ending in the game to something. Yeah, it's, it, feels it's, like... it feels like other JRPGs would end at that point. Right. <laughs> Whereas feel... this one is like, here's the halfway mark. Exactly. It, and it is actually, you are less than, you're 
a lot less than two thirds. You're right, it's about halfway. And, yeah. But it feels like the beginning of the end in that sense. Right, and, and it's because Alchemoth is like, it, it, like the high end here are seen as the kind of most powerful race. Uh, they are the kind of, they, they live at the top of the Bionis. It is very much like the peak of your journey, like verticality wise, because you start down below the Bionis knee where Colony 9 is, and you slowly work your way up like through the marshlands, through all these other places, mm-hmm. through the... Um, uh, the village um, and the forest and you finally get to Erith Sea which I think Alchemoth is great but I think Erith Sea is the more impressive part of that area because it's just this ridiculous expanse that I spent hours and hours just swimming across as I've recounted Mm. before just to fill out my my map segments (laughs) and Um, Alchemoth's crazy because it feels like some of the corridors and things in those buildings are so long it takes minutes to just get from point A to B when you're on the inside of buildings. Yeah, it it is very like empty and open. Um and I think that befits its grandeur. Like it is and I, I like that how you get into it is this giant like um ele- not elevator escalator um that just continues to go up and up and there's a very similar place with just a giant staircase in Xenoblade 2 actually that evokes some similar feelings mm. um but yeah it is it is very like episode one era star wars in that but, sense absolutely like, the and design it, and stuff it's it's just Xenoblade's so good at combining fantasy and sci-fi in, yes in a way that is in some ways similar to star wars but i feel like it goes a lot further on the sci-fi end and that's what yeah. kind of alchemoth feels like it's just so so impressive and like i mean is it audio form audio an audio format to try and describe some of these locations and towns is quite difficult but some of them are just so spectacular you just have to check out like a video or a screenshot just to see like what what we're talking about here but alchemoth yeah is, and, and it's also like it's it's kind of encased in a bubble almost mm. like there is there is this um kind of dome that is around it um and so you can kind of look out and see the rest of Erith sea before you you can see all the different islands and locations because a lot of the city and like how it is powered and stuff like that i think is is down to all these kind of stations that are out in the kind of it's Erith sea below you and sort of the prison island thing prison island which hangs like at the center above yeah really cool Prison Island, not one of my favorite locations in terms of like wanting to stay there. It's a very dark, horrible place. Yeah, um, yeah. But you know, it's 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 cool, and I think that yeah, it's it definitely is like leaning into kind of elven like ideas because the mm. high entity are basically the elves of Xenoblade, absolutely, um, but kind of distinct in their own way. Um, and yeah, a lot of plot stuff happens around this point in the game. Um, so it's kind of a, it's kind of like the peak of like the technological stuff that you see in terms of the Bionis, um, but it's also the peak of a lot of the storylines that you've been building to since the beginning of the game. Mm. Um, and it's kind of the point where you like you you um, you close a certain chapter and you open a whole new one. You know, there's right. there's it kind of like finishes off one thing that you're on and then it's like, okay, now this is the next thing we're going to be going after. Mm. So mm. Um, yeah, my number three. four, Alchemoth from Xenoblade Chronicles. Well, we think very alike, Bally, because my number four is also from Xenoblade Chronicles. Um, But it is my favorite location in the game, which is less to do with the village itself and more to do with the place. Uh, And it's the Machina village, but it's really the Fallen Arm, um, which is just maybe one of my favorite places in video games generally. Um, The thing that is so awesome about this location is that in the very opening cutscene of the game, you watch as these two titans are fighting against each other, and you see in that cutscene, it's not really referred to, but, like, the Makonis chops off one of the Bionis' arms, and it, like, just falls in the sea. 
and that's one of those things it's like oh yeah that just happened like the arm got chopped off stuff like that and then like you know the mechanist like p- takes his sword and like slams it into the side of the bionis and you're like okay that's all cool and stuff and the thing that i love about xenoblade is that stuff matters because not only is that sword that like gets jammed with the bionis a location in and of itself and you go there it's like sword valley it is a place where you can traverse from one place to the other um, mm. which is insane but also the fallen arm it's literally just an arm that is now lying in the ocean and its palm is open and the center of that palm is Machina village um so like they've taken this thing that is very important to the start of the game and yet is kind of this thrown away side thing that no one really thinks about and then you fall from the top of um you know i think it's during alchemoth and during that sequence where you kind of fall down to the fallen arm and you realize like where you are and it's like a holy shit moment of look at like these giant uh, like um not statues but beings um, entities no the you know the digits like the fingers of of the fallen arm these enormous structures are the fingers like are, are the digits of of the bionis which is crazy um and like you go up to some of those locations and you just look out from that point and you can see it you can see the scope of it you can see actually what it looks like from above and you can see machina village in the center this tiny area at the very center of the palm um and it's a very cozy little village it's it's tiny it's circular um it's the first time you're getting to know the machina who are the people of the mechanis um and it is a real surprise moment in that game that is so full of twists and and, and exciting things um and and yeah and it's it's interesting to kind of learn about their history and meet their leader um, and the idea that like they have that ship there and there's so much that goes on at that point in the game too but i, th- I just think that location generally is so impressive uh, and the machina village in particular is a very nice place um it is very much free of kind of combat it's, it's obviously the fallen arm has lots of enemies and stuff around it but it's um it's a cozy location and i like my smaller town-like locations that you don't have to learn intricately and like go all the way around um so so it's it's a very very good place just looking there's another location somewhere near that location where you look back on the the fallen arm i think it's after you've been on the fallen arm i believe i can't remember i'm just yeah. looking at the screenshot here that's kind of i think you... probably when you're at the mcconnish you can right. you can see it from there yeah um but that's one of my favorite things about xenoblade is wherever you are there's always something that you can see uh, mm. of where you're going mm. like the mcconnish is always looming when you're on the bionis leg when you first like turn back out of that cave once you've been the goddamn fucking spider um and you could go out and you see it's just like ryan and shulk are just like all inspired by it because it's just like standing there um uh, and yeah and, and you can kind of look up and down from various locations and it's like yes i will go there at some point it's not in the same i will go there as open world games but i do appreciate that they build in the visual design so that you can have a good idea of like yes this location does exist and i will probably be there at some point in time um but yeah there are a lot of amazing locations in xenoblade chronicles i think this is my favorite though overall just in terms of theme and idea um and place so the machina village but also really the fallen arm so there you go that's kind of my cheating <laughs> going on there uh, so my number three is